Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, folks? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We've got an absolutely packed show. Lots to talk about with the Canadian Football League getting a deal done. The beginning of the Battle of Alberta and, of course, the Rangers and Hurricane Series last night. Game two and the other two series this evening. And the beginning tomorrow night of the Edmonton Oil Kings and Winnipeg Ice Series. We've got a great lineup today. Craig Button's going to join us. Now, I had originally hoped to have Craig on to talk about the Western Hockey League playoffs and kind of give us a preview of the Ice and Oil Kings, and we'll certainly do that. We'll also get his thoughts on Winnipeg Jets, their coaching search, Barry Trotz, and last night's ridiculous Game 1 in the Battle of Alberta. Brendan Rewicki will join us as well. We'll get his thoughts on the Stanley Cup playoffs and more Jets topics. We'll also have Dennis Bernstein pop by for a... Uh, we'll probably talk about the Battle of Alberta consistently throughout this show because it was so bananas yesterday. But get Dennis's thoughts on both what's happening on the ice and off the ice around the National Hockey League. And of course, with the deal done... Between the CFL and the CFLPA, Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports is going to join us, uh, talk a little bit about the deal, talk a little bit about the Bombers getting back on the uh, training camp uh, field today, a change in the preseason schedule, and a look to what he and Bonfire have coming up for Bomber fans this season. So going to be a great show. Buckle up for the next couple hours. Welcome everyone that's with us on the YouTube channel right now live. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us daily at 1 p.m. And a big shout out to everyone listening on the podcast and making the uh, podcast part of their day. By the way, podcast listeners, if you're ever on iTunes or Spotify and you have the opportunity to slide in a five-star rating and a review for the fellas, we would greatly appreciate it. But, uh, uh, this is going to be a big one. Lots to talk about right out of the gate. And I cannot forget the PGA Championship, which uh, we've got Tiger Woods finishing up his round right now and Roy McIlroy on the leaderboard. We'll do a couple Breezy Bend leader up board updates uh, throughout the program as well. Uh, big thanks to all of our sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge who are opening this week. Wallace and Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, who just had their big season kickoff luncheon uh, last hour, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. Let's get to it and get Michael Remus in here. Remo, how are you? I'm in a great mood, Huss. We had a fantastic hockey game last night. How many goals? 15 goals. It's in the title. Uh, I saw a lot of people pointing out that the score was 6-9. to nine. Really nice number. We're going to get all that out of the way. But yeah, a long weekend's coming up. Very entertaining match. I mean, not only on the ice, but off the ice. There's so much to get to with the Kachuk family. Uh, seemingly going viral every game. And uh, McDavid doing McDavid things. Uh, what a game that was. And I actually thought the, um, you know, I tuned into the end of the other game, Carolina Rangers, a nice game there too. So a two, so, solid night of hockey. I thought, look, I was ready for a letdown here in round two. But uh, that game was awesome last night. Oh my God. Between the Sunshine State battle between the Florida Panthers mm-hmm. and the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Oilers Flames, 
think we're going to have like a really fun tilt every night. We'll see what happens. Listen, I thought the Blues played great against the Avalanche to hang in there, although they were outshot 2-1 to one in game number one. Um, they'll see if they can steal one on the road tonight. And uh, and yes, Winnipeg's team, the New York Rangers, uh, that was a real tough way to lose. I thought Shesterkin was brilliant last night. They had the one nothing lead for basically about 50 minutes of the game, it seemed. Uh, and then Sebastian Ajo tying the game up. And then an early OT winner uh, gave the home team the big win. But as Gerard Gallant said yesterday, felt very, very good about the way his team played last night. And they certainly feel that they've got a chance in this series. But listen, I know hockey's going to dominate the program. Uh, great news, though. And, and I don't know about you, Reem. I had a feeling after talking with Jake Thomas on the show yesterday that there really did seem like there was some positive momentum going between the league and the Players Association. We spoke about the level of urgency that we hoped that was in place on both sides to get a deal done and prevent any sort of long work stoppage and missing some of these preseason games. Uh, and they got it done last night. We'll talk about it with Darren a little later on. Of course, Farhan and uh, Dave Naylor and the guys at Three Down Nation have been a great, doing a great job of breaking it all down. Sounds like a big win for the players, to be honest for me. I mean, that's a, a PA that is in, in the past has been quite splintered between Canadian players, between American players. Um, but I thought they did a great job sticking to their guns, getting it done. I hope it works out for the league as well. But the bottom line for football fans, especially those here in Winnipeg, looking forward to an attempt at a three-peat. It's just great that this is now in the rearview mirror and the Bombers will be on the practice field later on today with a full training camp session. Yeah, I think after talking to Jake Thomas and seeing a lot of the reports throughout the day, it seemed like they were close and they were going to smarten up and not miss any games. Now, they did reschedule the Bombers preseason game, but they had time time to do that. That's going from this Monday to next Tuesday, the 31st. And yeah, we are, I'm, can, you know, I tried not to stress about it. You figured, okay, cooler heads are going to prevail. They're going to get this done. There's too much to lose here. To not get it done after, you know, the whole missed season. They're not going to miss another one. And that's what happened. They tweaked what they needed to, you know, to change. Uh, we're going to talk about that with Darren later. But very excited for CFL football. There are games that are going to be played that count very soon. Um, I'm getting fired up for uh, what we do, the CFL fantasy on DraftKings. That's uh, really just increased my interest in the league by quite a bit. Talking about all uh, the, the betting lines as well. So yeah, it's done. We can move on. No more labor discussion. It's over. Oh, they got. They <laughs> and the got best it done. part about it is, it's over for a minimum of five years. It's a seven-year deal. There's an opt-out after the fifth year, which is when the TSN contract is up. So uh, we're done with this for the next five years. It's game on. Play ball. Get to work. And uh, we'll be talking Bombers with Darren Bombing a little bit later on. And uh, we'll have Dave Naylor tomorrow on the program to give us um, kind of the full scope of the deal. And I'll look at the landscape of the Canadian Football League now that things are on. The one thing we should mention, if any of you had plans to head out to Regina and be at that preseason game between the Bombers and Riders on Monday, change your plans because that game is no longer on Monday. It's going to be moved to the 31st of May. So the Bombers, Bombers had a very strange schedule. It was supposed to be playing on Monday and then on Friday and then having more than two weeks off until they open the season, I believe on the 10th of July or 10th of June, excuse me. Um, so the game on Monday isn't happening now. They will play the home game next Friday against the Edmonton Elks. 
And then the 31st of May, Tuesday, which also happens to be uh, Assiniboine Downs opening night here in the city, uh, the team will play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in preseason action at Mosaic Field. So the deal is done. We're on to training camp and looking forward to the preseason and the regular season. Of course, we'll be all over it here on Winnipeg Sports Talk every single day, Monday to Friday, uh, except, of course, this Monday because it is the Victoria Day long weekend and the weather doesn't look too good. Uh, by the way, Remus, I'm impressed that you're in such a good mood because I'll be honest, yesterday, despite having some great shows this week and everything else going well, I was abs. I, I felt, you know, like in the middle of winter when it's been minus 30 for two weeks and you have that, you know, that major seasonal affective disorder. I think it might be worse than a lot of people right now with how miserable and gloomy and rainy it has been just because of what we've been through and it hasn't gotten any better. And it sounds like we're going to get another 10 millimeters later on. You know, some of the golf courses that just opened were closed. We got to get through this right now. I will say this, though, when we actually do have some legitimately nice days and get on patios and get out together, hopefully people jump at it because... We're going to be in June before we know we basically got three months of hopefully nice weather to get through, but it can't get here soon enough. And unfortunately, this May long forecast doesn't look like it's been worth waiting for, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's hard not to talk about the weather, just how terrible that it's been. I'm going to honestly, I don't, the rain, it hasn't really bothered me. Um, I don't need to put it on a jacket when I go outside. I don't need to put my boots on. I, I can go outside and know I'm not going to you know, die from frostbite. So I'm, <laughs> I, I'm okay. I'm okay with, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. Would it like to be sunny? Yeah. But again, I can go outside for five minutes without a jacket and like not have any major health risks. So we're, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, the green thumbs, the green thumbs are sour right now. I mean, May long is usually, I believe the time where yeah. everyone gets out to the gardens and does all the planting. Mm -hmm. That's not happening. And help, I mean, half the people I know with cottages can't even get there right now. So yes. uh, the good th good news is, though, we've got some amazing hockey this weekend. We've got the PGA Championship going on. So if, uh, if you are somewhat homebound with three days off and figuring out what to do, plenty of great sports to talk about. Um, oh, yeah, of course, no show on Monday. But for those of you that would, you know, you know what I'm saying. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get through it. Uh, and part of it, we'll be watching these hockey games, Remus. Let's get to it last night. We sort of touched on the the uh, the, the undercard, if you will. The uh, unfortunate loss, certainly from a Jets fan's, fan's perspective, from the, uh, the uh, New York Rangers to the Carolina Hurricanes. But this battle of Alberta last night, I mean, there have been some wild games between these Flames and Oilers uh, going over the past, the last 31 years since the last battle of Alberta. That one last night, right up there with the craziest games I can ever remember. Um, I mean, Mike Smith being hammered in the first two shots, Calgary going up 5-1, 6-2 early. And next thing you know, it's 6-6 and Calgary getting a couple quick ones afterwards. I mean, it certainly was no goaltending clinic. Some of the worst goaltending you'll see from teams in the second round of the playoffs ever, but uh, everyone got a little piece of it. It did have almost a little bit of everything it had 15 goals, as you said, you put in the title today. I'll tell you what, I don't know where we go from here, but the bar has been raised pretty high for bananas hockey in the second round and particularly in the Battle of Alberta. What a game. I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, Calgary, they're off to a great start here. Two goals uh, pretty much instantly. Like Mike Smith, yeah, he's not taking the, the Oilers very far. He's what, what we thought. 
What he thought is Calgary. I was had them as a big favorite against Edmonton. They're gonna just gonna wipe the floor. Scores five one. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I got some like errands to do, some some bookkeeping and stuff, uh, administrative stuff for this. So I'll shut it down for a bit. I, you know, take a shower, come back. Oh, six four, and the next thing you know, six five, and then it was six six. And you're like, holy crap, we got a game here. This is absolutely uh, madness. And I think Calgary, they did pull away. I, you know, we thought they were going to win, but would have never saw that coming. I mean, I would expect that from the Oilers goalies, but Markstrom, he's a Vesna candidate, letting in six goals. And meanwhile, you got the on the ice and Matthew Kachuk. He's got the hat trick. Brady's in the stands. The Kachuk family was maybe the star of the show in the stands last night. Again. Who cares about the game? I'm here for Brady. Having Bud Light in his hand and in his pockets, running up and down. We've seen him put ki- random kids on his shoulders, wearing this beauty Matthew Kachuk t-shirt. Keith Kachuk's not shown not wanting to throw his hat on the ice for the hat for his trick. His own son's hat trick. I mean, it wasn't even just some guy on the team. It was his own son. But apparently, it was one of his favorite hats from a. Uh, one of his favorite bars, and he said there's no way he was ditching that one on the ice, even for Matthews Hattie. He told Eric Francis that he was three and they were three and oh when he wore that hat. So no wonder. And I think there's the net is I mean it's hard to throw hats on the ice now, depending on where you sit. So personally, like as someone who has a decent collection of hats, I would not throw a hat on the ice for a hat trick. Sorry. Maybe if it was like a really nice hat trick and then I deemed it worthy, but First instinct, yeah, I'm siding with Keith here. Sometimes it's good to wear a hat that you feel you can part with. Maybe one that's at the end of the road. People do that. I know there's people in chat who maybe would bring a spare, especially if, you know, line, if for a line A. It seemed like he was having hat tricks every, every week, line A. But um, I, don't blame, I don't blame Keith. So I don't know where the chat It is one stands. of the benefits of sitting up in 316 where I'm sitting. Uh, it's physically impossible to get the mm. hat on the ice, so you don't have to feel like a, like a party pooper by not getting into hat trick celebrations by tossing it because all you'd be doing is tossing it down into row 15 right. of the 100 level, and then there's glass and a net where they can't get it over as well. So you do get the pass for that. Um, listen, the other star of the show when it comes to comedy is Daryl Sutter. Sutter's press conferences are famous for their brevity uh, and rare, sometimes the wit involved. But I mean, he is just a whole different animal. And I was joking with Remus earlier that, you know, we really did miss Paul Maurice's um, Paul Maurice's press conferences. I mean, many people maybe didn't miss a lot of other things about Maurice coaching the Winnipeg Jets, but certainly uh, what he had for us when he was in front of a microphone was top drawer most often. And, you know, certainly you'd see, you know, the Winnipeg media pop in, ask a question, and then just sort of let Maurice go. And sometimes you'd have a long press conference that really was only two or three questions. It is the exact opposite of Daryl, uh, for Daryl Sutter with the Calgary Flames. Is short, sweet, and to the point. And to be honest, it's making the Calgary media work that much harder. We've got a couple great clips from last night. We'll start off with the beginning of the press conference after this 9-6 game with so much to talk about. And it was, in a lot of ways, rapid fire for the Calgary media. Have your next question ready because the answers are going to be short and sweet. Here's Daryl Sutter post-game last night after game one of the Battle of Alberta. Earl, just your thoughts on that wild game out there tonight. Mr. Convert. 
lesson do you want your group to take away from this one? We could play better than we did tonight. Now, goals aside, what have you liked from Matthew's game over the last few games? I think there's some energy to his game, some emotion, controlled, which is good. David Markstrom has had some stellar performances. These playoffs, this isn't one of the best. What gives you confidence he can bounce back in game two? Because he did it all year. <laughs> so that was a 37-second clip. I'm pretty sure, Reen, that 30 of the 37 seconds were questions from the Calgary media. And, and as I said to you off bear, I got respect for the Calgary media. It's completely changed with Daryl Sutter there. They basically have to get to that scrum with six or seven questions locked, loaded, and ready to go. Because the minute you give Daryl three or four seconds of pause, he's probably out of there. Um, and even in a game with so much to talk about, it was uh, it was very brief, as we've come to uh, come to assume that we'll get from the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I mean, good start when they, he's like, "What do you think of the game?" Miss the convert. Uh, I mean, I see and then a lot, that was it. Didn't lot, even it, add anything to yeah, it. <laughs> that was it about the game, and a lot of jokes. Oh, it was the Stampeders, you know, nine and uh, elk sticks uh, in the game? So, and uh, yeah, what do you think of Markstrom? Well, you're thinking about sec. Well, he's done it all year. I mean, it's pretty, now, pretty, what, three forward answers? It's pretty, pretty good. Huh? And so cre- credit to them. They are going rapid fire at, the, at him with the questions. Yeah, you need to be more prepared for a Daryl Sutter scrum than any others because it might be over in 90 seconds if you aren't ready to go. Now, it did end with a little bit of comedy from the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Um, he, he spoke to his plan going into round one of the Battle of Alberta after, some would say, a boring series against the Dallas Stars, which was very low scoring. Here's the head coach of the Flames. How jarring is it to go from a series where Jake Ottinger is stopping pretty much everything to a game where it feels like both sides are kind of scoring at will? Well, we were told that it was a boring series last time, so I told the players yesterday we got to score seven to ten goals today knowing full well that they'd probably score five to eight if we had it and then we could win so that's what we did <laughs> oh god you know the Sutter press conferences I hope Calgary keeps playing just for more of that uh, needless to say Remo it was a very different feeling on the other side of the rink with the Edmonton Oilers um, they just did not look ready to go um, Calgary at one point, the shots were 30 to 8 in the game. And the fact that the flame that the Oilers got back into it and tied it at six was a minor miracle because Calgary was all over them. Uh, and just a relentless performance from Calgary, really, from the opening, uh, the opening drop of the puck. Um, but then there it was, a tie game into the third period. I think there are some things the Oilers have to like the way they came back, but oh my God, there's a lot of room for improvement starting in the net and then. I mean, they just weren't as engaged as the Calgary Flames were. And I do worry that this could be a short series if Edmonton doesn't come back with far greater performances than they had last night in game number one. Yeah, I know a lot of the chat here, I think it was like 70% or so, thought Calgary was going to win. They were the big favorites. So I was on on Calgary as well. I don't know if Edmonton has, uh, you know, the defensive play or the goaltending, although it seemed nobody had goaltending. Yesterday, but in the end, Calgary won, and and you, sometimes they don't ask you how, but you just have to get the the win. So we'll see what happens out with Edmonton. Uh, Dreisaitl, that was the big story going into the game. I mean, he's kind of 
what, what do you say? Turning radius of an 18 wheeler is that what people yeah, are saying? Yeah, a cruise ship. Or a cruise ship, but uh, he's able to get on the score sheet. But uh, it's good. I think going to be tough if he's not 100. percent But if you do have Connor McDavid, and we saw the yesterday, I mean, this guy can do it all himself. He is playing at an extremely high level, and it is that part of the series is awesome to watch. And if Edmonton is going to stay in, you know, they need him scoring, keep scoring two points a game. It's ridiculous the pace that he's been on. The guy that was really getting it last night, um, you know, post game from Oiler fans, and justifiably so, was the Nuge, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He did not have a strong game. And there was a number of instances where he was just dominated by Michael Backlund. Um, and, and, you know, in those 50 50, 50 plays, and it'll remind you of maybe some conversations that we've had earlier this year. I mean, little waving is the stick as, uh, you know, he gets worked off the body. Backlund takes the puck. And I mean, basically, Calgary had the puck for pretty much the entire game for the most part, barring a couple of um, blips when the Oilers had it. And then the next thing you know, it was in for Jacob Markstrom. But how the goalies bounce back from this game will be fascinating. I don't think there's any doubt that Markstrom probably feels like he got away with one last night. He is the guy. He'll be in night in and night out. But major questions about the Oilers. It was a big opportunity for Koskinen to come in after the early hook for Mike Smith. He looked just as bad as Mike Smith did today. And I was listening to our pal handsome Tommy Gazzola on 1260 earlier today, Reem. They're already talking about Stuart Skinner as maybe being an option at some point. And if you're talking about your third string goalie as maybe being a guy you're going to need to lean on one game into a massive series like this, you know it didn't start well. Man, that's calling for Stewie Skinner. I know we saw him here against the Jets and he was awesome. Just looking at the goalies, I mean, Koskinen, 32 saves on 37 shots, 8.65 save percentage. Mike Smith, 7 saves on 10 shots, 700 save percentage. Mike Smith played, let three goals, played six minutes of ice. Not ideal from a goalie. I think, you know, we thought they would eventually go to Koskinen. That's just, first of all, one, they're, they're not that good. And two, they've rotated goalies all season. And Koskinen, sometimes he's great. Sometimes he's pretty, you know, below average. And Mike Smith, to his credit, I mean, overall, he was pretty good in that King series aside from two games. They, well, I that's think the one back, thing about Smith. Yeah. Smith, he did, he, I mean, he basically blew it in game number one, came back, played pretty well, had a brutal game in game five. Yeah and then finished very strong with the wins in Game 6 and, of course, the shutout in Game 7. So by no means is this series over. But Calgary looks to be the far superior team right now, both in depth and engagement. And listen, we talked a lot about the greatness of McDavid being the best player on the planet and the way he was able to put the team on his back in the last couple of games of that King series, and especially in Game number 7, although Jonathan Quick really did keep them in. Um, it is going to take a Herculean effort from McDavid and a far better effort from the entire uh, Edmonton Oilers club if they're going to make that happen. We'll talk to Craig Button about that in just a second. Looking forward to uh, both talking about the Oilers and the Oil Kings as we get ready for the Winnipeg Ice and Edmonton Oil Kings dropping the puck tomorrow. Just before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake. If you're looking for a five-star fishing experience in the province of Manitoba, Aikens Lake is the place for you. You can be on the water within two hours of the city of Winnipeg. Find out more at AikensLake.com. Limited availability for what will be their busiest year ever over at Aikens Lake. Uh, Wallace & Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists. 
They've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If you need a new fence or if Winter's done a number on your old one, they've got you covered. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace also has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700 is the number. They'll come out and give you a free estimate. And you can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Hey, a big congratulations to Andrew Parks over at F Apparel. A beautiful baby boy added to the family with him and his lovely wife, Lindsay. Congratulations to Andrew. Um, I'm sure they've got some big events coming forward, as do we all. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And uh, F's custom-made suits start at just $400. We've also got a great deal up for wedding parties. If you're in a wedding party, talk to them. You get 15% off for the entire crew over at F Apparel. They're at 190 Smith Street downtown. And you can also check them online at fephapparel.com. <clears throat> All right, let's talk some puck. Lots to get to with TSN's director of scouting, Craig Button, who joins us now. Craig, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Always great to have you on the program, man. It's a fun time of year with this playoff hockey, both in the bigs as well as in junior hockey. Yeah, it sure is. And I mean, we talk about, uh, you know, uh, how special the playoffs are, but, and, and for the players, it's just as special to, you know, pursue a championship, test yourself out against the best competition as it, as it, as it continues through round to round to round, you got the Winnipeg ice in the Eastern conference final playing against the Edmonton oil Kings. I got to tell you, hustler, not surprised one bit that these two teams are playing in the Eastern conference final. You could see that back in October, that they were the two best teams in the Eastern conference. And that will be, uh, that should be a really good uh, series. And, you know, you got the NHL playoffs and, you know, the battle of Alberta first time in 31 years. And, you know, I was there for game one last night and uh, I was there for game seven in 1991 I, I know you're surprised. You're probably looking at me and going, you haven't aged one bit in 31 years. And I look at myself and feel the same way. <laughs> Craig, you know what? I, I do want to spend some time on the Ice Oil King series, but let's start with the Battle of Alberta last night. First of all, what was it like in the building? I mean, it looked like it was absolute bedlam. We were talking to people all week from both cities. The anticipation for this series is unlike anything we've seen probably in 31 years. And then we got a game for the ages. I mean, I don't even know how you describe that one. Take us back to last night in the dome. Well, as you know, uh, there's uh, there's a dividing line in Alberta. For you're either an Edmonton Oilers fan or you're a Calgary Flames fan. You know, I, I, I joke with people all the time. Back in '04, you know, when the Flames went on that great run to the Stanley Cup final, and people were saying, "Oh yeah, Edmonton Oilers fans, yeah, they got behind the uh, Flames." No, they didn't. I, I, I've gone and said, I'd like all Edmonton Oilers fans to raise their hand who rooted for the Flames in 2004. There's still no hands that went up. And the same exact thing happened in 2006 in reverse when the Oilers went on their run. Yeah, the Flames fans are rooting for the Not a chance. So there's a dividing line there. And, you know, it's really interesting, you know, as, that, as buildings now, as you well know, I mean, Winnipeg had the whiteout for years, right? But, you know, in, in Edmonton and Calgary, it was very different. Well, now you have the sea of red, everybody in, in their jerseys in, in Edmonton. It, it really is a passionate, passionate fan base in both cities. There was a buzz. There was a buzz. You know, I didn't know how the how it was going to be going into the building. Usually during the regular season, you, you're in, you're out, you know, you're in. I, I didn't know, but I mean, 
the, the number of people just gathering and just walking in their in their jerseys and everything. And then you got into the build and, and you just feel this escalation, this escalation, escalation, escalation. And, you know, when uh, uh, the national anthem ends and you, you start play, you know, it, it really is. I mean, everybody's on the edge of their seat. And I'll tell you what, through the course of that game, I think uh, as it turned out, you know, it, it created some drama. Quite frankly with you, I didn't think there was very much drama. Even when it was 6-6, I said, Calgary ain't losing this game. Honestly, Hustler, Calgary pummeled the Edmonton Oilers. They pummeled them. And there was three great moments in the game by Connor McDavid that were spectacular, that got Edmonton to where they needed to be, and two unspectacular moments by Jacob Markstrom. And other than that, Edmonton never had a foothold in the game. Like, like when I use the word pummeled, they got pummeled. And I think they were going to come out for game two in a lot better competitive spirit. I mean, I, I, I just, there's no way you're going to play another game like that. I think Mike Smith will be better, but the Calgary Flames are a really good team. And they really, not only did they take it to the Edmonton Oilers, they took it right at Connor McDavid. Did they ever? I mean, that was a, it, it was as relentless a performance, I think, is maybe the word I'm looking for. I mean, and at one point, the shots were 30 to 8, and you're exactly right. I mean, the game was on the verge of getting away from, well, I think it already had gotten away from the Edmonton Oilers, and then, you know, a few gifts from Markstrom, who's been brilliant all season. It's somewhat, but again, from a Calgary perspective, like, you had your one dud game from your all-star goaltender, and you still put up 9 and win. I mean, Calgary's <laughs> got to be feeling good. It was hilarious. We just played some of the comments from Daryl Sutter's post game, which was, I mean, all time Sutter material. Very different from Jay Woodcroft. I imagine he's got to be very disappointed with the way his team was prepared for the game, the way they started, and their willingness to compete at the level that the Calgary Flames did for a full 60 minutes. And uh, that has to change. This could be a short series, which we did some disappointing for everyone involved, I think. Yeah, you nailed it, Andrew. You nailed it. There's no question about it. You nailed it. Like, you know, you got to compete, right? You got to be in the fight. Do you remember after game five when the Oilers lost to the LA Kings in overtime and Connor McDavid in his post game said four goals in the playoffs should be enough to win? Connor McDavid last night knew. He, he didn't come out and say six goals should be enough to win in the playoffs. He knew they got pummeled. And, and let me tell you, Connor McDavid was in the fight all night long. And if you don't have everybody else on your team in the fight with you, and to me, Zach Hyman was the only other player on the Edmonton Oilers that was in the fight all night long. There was a couple other players that picked their moments, dipped a toe in the water. But when you talk about, uh, a, 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 like, a, not nearly enough. I'm talking about 16 skaters that, that weren't in the competitive fight at, at, in any degree. Connor knew that six goals wasn't enough to win game one. And, 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 and that, to me, was telling. And, you know, one thing, like the seven defensemen for the Edmonton Oilers were horrid. Here's the problem, I think, for the Edmonton Oilers. How are they going to be able to deal with that relentless pressure that the Calgary Flames put on you in the defensive zone? You know, Kevin Lowe, Paul Coffey, Charlie Huddy, and Randy Gregg aren't appearing tomorrow for the Edmonton Oilers. They're going to have to find some strategy to alleviate that. The, the flames are not letting up. They're, well, not, I, and they're not going to let up on McDavid either. 
No, and I think, you know, what we saw from Calgary, you know, at the end of the Dallas series, really throughout the Dallas series, I mean, Jake Ottinger was heroic in extending that to, you know, one goal away from having the Flames out. But, you know, sometimes you survive a test like that, it makes you better for the next round. They certainly, they seemed like they were in game seven mode last night, and the Oilers were far from that, despite going the distance with the Kings. I got to ask you, I mean, if you're at... If you're Woodcroft today and you're at practice, I mean, what is the message to the Edmonton Oilers both today and going into tomorrow's game to avoid an embarrassing performance like they had and give them a chance to to skate and be in this game with the Flames through 60 minutes? Well, what I would say to you, first and foremost, it, it's it, like obviously the coaching staff is going to have to come up with some strategies. We know that, right? But like to me, when you're second to the puck and second to space, just about everywhere during that game, then – it starts with saying we need to be first on the puck. And in the, you, you know, how many times do we hear the term 50, 50 puck battles? They were 90, 10 puck battles for Calgary because Edmonton wasn't in them. And then you got to get into the space. You got, you got to be ready to get there and close you off. The Calgary flames penalty killing is so outstanding because it, it's not just one pressure. It's second pressure and third pressure. They were just beating Edmonton everywhere to space. And, that's what my that's what my message would be to the Edmonton Oilers. We got to get them. We got to get invested in the puck battles and make them 50-50 puck battles, and we got to get invested and get into the space. Because if we're late on pucks or if we're late to space, we're just defending and being run around. That that's where to me. And they can skate. The Edmonton Oilers can skate. It's not about not being able to get to to that space. And then you got to have that. You know, we got to get into the fight. And they lack both those things. And if you don't have those things, I don't care how much skill you have, you're, you're not going to beat a good team. Craig Button, TSN's director of scouting with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, before we get to the dub final, uh, the uh, the dub series between Edmonton and Winnipeg starting tomorrow night here at the Ice Cave, Craig, I wanted to quickly ask you about the Jets. We haven't talked to you since the end of the season. And, I mean, we spoke during the year. There was lots of questions about the Winnipeg Jets, the direction they were going in, Paul Maurice leaving, the disappointing season, missing the playoffs. I'm interested in how much you heard of from the players in that final week, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, Paul Stasty in particular, um, with some of the most damning comments I've heard about a team, the culture that they had in the past. And then, of course, the biggest question about Mark Shifley, who, to be honest, sort of sounded like he was an unrestricted free agent as opposed to a guy with two years left on his contract. Uh, what did you make of the end of the Jets season and their challenges going into the offseason? Well, number one is is when you have a disappointing season where, where, where it appeared you, there was promise there. You know, there there's going to be a, a lot of uh, a lot of the comments that you heard. You know, the disconnects. You know, okay, we didn't do the right things. We didn't play the right way. We didn't have the details. We didn't hold each other accountable. That doesn't surprise me one bit. Number one, that, I mean, that's what happened because I think when we look at the Winnipeg Jets and we. We look at the goaltending, we look at the blue line, we look at the forward group. I, I don't think there was any question that they should have looked at their at their team as one with promise. And I think when you fall short like they did, I, I, I think there's going to be profound disappointment. I'll be, you know, like, you know, as it pertains to Mark Shifley, you know, Mark, to me, I have no problem with his comments. Maybe, maybe we could look at it and say he could have said it differently or said it in a, in, in, in a more private manner. But I got no problem with it. I got no problem with it. Because, you, you know, th th that tells me that he cares, that he's invested, and he wants to know. Now, in, in previous years, in previous times, 
players weren't as vocal, but trust me, Andrew, they had the same feelings. And maybe those conversations went on in private, but Mark wears it on his sleeve. And so, you know, when you start to look at it with two years left on his contract, I said the same thing, and this is where I'm going to finish. I think the Winnipeg Jets are just like the Calgary Flames last summer. You know what? They had all these really good players. They they fell far short of what they expected to achieve. And, you know, the okay, oh, we don't have this. Johnny Goudreau's not a Daryl Sutter type player. This guy isn't that. This guy, is, should they trade this guy? Everything that goes with it. That's what comes with disappointment. But I still think that Winnipeg Jets have promise. I think that they have a lot of the really good elements. I said it, and I know that, you know, at different times, people that you had one coach leave the team because he felt that he couldn't get to the team with his voice and they needed a new voice. Well, the new voice came and he couldn't make a change, a difference either. When you look at all the defensive metrics that the Winnipeg Jets had this year at the end of the season, they're right at the bottom of the league. And if you're not good defensively and the same things keep plaguing you, you got problems. And it, 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 there's two places we can go. I know where I go. I go to the coaching. I think the coaching was not very good this year. I don't think it was good. Under Paul Maurice or under Dave Lowry. But I will say this. If you don't think it's the coaching, then let's talk about Kevin Shoveldayoff and what he's the, and the composition of the team. I don't see it that way. I think that Kevin, at the end of the year, making the changes in the coaching, he recognizes it. And now there's an opportunity uh, to get uh, uh, somebody, uh, you know, with with the ability to, to get not only the players' abilities to, to their potential, but the team to play to what their expectations are, too. That's the way I see it. Well, and, and speaking of coaching, um, we've been on Trot's watch since uh, last Monday here. I mean, of course, a Manitoba product, a guy with strong ties to this. Uh, I mean, he would be the dream candidate. I mean, a guy that would come in, that would command that sort of respect, that has the results, and it would be off the ice as well. I mean, I think a, a Trot's hire, if they could pull it off, Craig, would immediately take care of much of the erosion of maybe the confidence in the team from part of the fan base. But from your perspective, you've been in front office before. You see this roster. You see what happened with this team this year. What kind of a coach would you be looking for if you're looking to put a new guy in to get a far different result than the disappointing ones we saw last year in Winnipeg? Well, so so let's just let's just talk about Barry. I mean, we know that he's accomplished. So, so why don't we go back to the time that he left the New Nashville Predators? He went to the Washington Capitals in 2014. Well, in 2014, 2014. He won the Coach of the Year, President's Trophy, President's Trophy, Stanley Cup. <laughs> now, that's the last time the Washington Capitals won a playoff game. He goes to the New York Islanders. Okay, now keep this in mind about what he when he went to the New York Islanders. There wasn't a big change in player personnel. There wasn't a big change in player personnel. The players that he went in there, they improved their defensive play from right at the bottom of the league, top five in the league. Coach of the year. Conference final, conference final. This year, what they went through with the COVID playing on the road at the beginning of the year, everything that went with it, and that team still performed. In, in my view, I, I think he maxed out their capabilities with everything that they went on, right? So we, we have now a sample size so large about Barry Trotz's abilities. And again, taking a Washington team and doing what he did with them taking a New York Islanders team without a change of personnel and doing it with them. Like, you know, one of the things, and I'll be straightforward with you, Hustler, it, you know, 
we, we sit here and we talk and we'll talk about goaltending. We'll talk about defense upgrades. We'll talk about forward upgrades. Oh, they got to be better on the special teams. But heaven forbid we say the coaching needs to be upgraded. You know what? Some of the most sensitive people are the coaches. I'll be straightforward on that. What? You're immune to criticism? You know what? Do a better job. You know what? I'll stand by it. The Winnipeg Jets suffered from subpar coaching this year. That's my view. Barry Trotz would fix it. Yeah, they're, uh, it, it, you're getting a lot of love in the chat room right now, Greg. I can tell you there's a lot of people that feel the exact same way. Um, there's a many people, and I mean, your colleague Darren Drager, who's got a pretty good line into Chevy, um, has said he doesn't see Mark Scheifele being part of the Winnipeg Jets next year. Say they were able to get Barry Trotz's name on a contract in the next week or so. Do you think that changes the situation? I mean, listen, they've got a long body of work. They know what's happened. I think much is what it is alleged is sort of behind closed doors with the culture of the team. But if you brought in a guy like Trotz, how much would that potentially change the situation for a player that so much is relied on like Mark Shifley? Or if you make a move like that, how integral do you think Barry would be in deciding the sort of players that he'd like to come back in a deal? Because you know there'd be interest around the league. Listen, I, I, so, so the first thing I would say, I, I, again, we go back to the composition of the team. I, I, I think it's really, really like I like the composition of the team. Every team has to examine what they need a little bit more of, where they'd like to make a change. I, I get that. I think Kevin and his management group have done a terrific job. I really do. I'll, I'll leave that there. I'm going to go back to Calgary. The easiest thing on the planet is to trademark Shifley. The like, at, at, at his contract, and in his and his performance level, easy to trade up. Good luck getting value back. Good luck. It's the same thing I said about Johnny Goudreau last summer. Good luck. So you know what? And, and, and how many people said, "Oh, Johnny's not a Daryl Sutter type player." Oh, really? Okay, yeah, okay. Whatever you say. Players want to win. Players want to be successful. So the, you talk about Barry. Barry comes in. I mean, he's, he's got immediate credibility because of what he's done with star players, superstar players, Ovechkin, Backstrom, winning the Stanley Cup, everything that he's done, immediate credibility. Barry would go and, and, and sit with Mark Shifley and talk about it. Like, Mark didn't say he wanted to be out of here. Like, you know, just keep this in mind. Keep this in mind, Andrew. When Ryan O'Reilly talked about in Buffalo how he didn't like the losing attitude, they got their, they got their knickers in a knot, and they traded him. What did he do? He went to St. Louis and he won. Okay. I'll take my chances with Mark Shifley. I'll tell you that right now. I'll take my chances with Mark Shifley every day of the week. And I think Barry Trotz would too. I'm going to go one more place. St. Louis. Craig Bruby won a Stanley Cup with Vladimir Tarasenko. He had some injuries. He got his, he was disappointed in what had happened. And he said, I want to be traded. Doug Armstrong and Craig Bruby said, hang on here a second. <laughs> We're going to go and sit with you. We're going to talk to you, right? Let's have the conversation. Let's understand what's bothering you. You know what? Conflict resolution. You know, there's going to be friction in relationships. There's going to be friction when things don't go right. But let's find out how we can. Uh, I, I, I look, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was the St. Louis Blues, you know, top scorer this year. <laughs> and you know what? They knew what they had. Vladimir listens, and I, and I think Mark would listen. I, I I don't so, so we we can speculate if he won't be here or he will be there right. All I know is is that's the process that I would undertake. And when when a when somebody like Barry Trotz comes in and lays it out, and we start to you can trade Mark Shifley. Trust me, and it'll be easy to trade Mark Shifley. 
Good luck on getting the value back. <laughs> no doubt. I will say this about St. Louis. They were somewhat fortunate that Seattle didn't take him for nothing in the expansion draft. But, oh, my God, I mean, did he come out? And that was the best-case scenario. And what a season Tarasenko ended up having. Well, you're right. And, 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 maybe, and maybe that was part of the conversation. Okay, well, Vladimir, we're not just trading you for something, but but if but but if we'll leave you off the expansion draft, if they want you away, you go right. And probably, you know, sometimes you got to just say that's fine, you can leave. But here's how you're going to leave: you're leaving on our terms. You know, think back to Matt Duchesne when he said he wanted out of Colorado. Joe Sakic said, "Fine, but I'm trading you on my terms, and I'm going to trade you when it's right for us." Not, and so play your butt off and play hard because if you don't play well and play to your abilities, I'm not going to be able to trade you on our terms. Well, and, and he did. And it was the same thing Doug Armstrong. I'm not saying, hey, don't, don't it's not all about, it's a two-way street. And I think that Doug and Craig Berube did exactly that with Tarasenko. And, hey, we can look back and say, maybe the Seattle Kraken made a mistake. Craig Button's with us. Craig, let's get to uh, the main event here in Winnipeg starting this weekend. That, of course, is this Western Hockey League series, third round between the Winnipeg Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, I had the privilege of getting out and seeing these teams play against each other. I mean, we know why they were 1-2 for the majority of the season in the Canadian Hockey League. It is somewhat of a shame that they play as early as they do, but these teams have been in a collision course all season long. Edmonton hasn't lost a game so far in their first two series. Winnipeg's eight and two. Give us the tale of the tape between the ice and the oil Kings going into game one tomorrow at the ice cave. Well, I mean, I mean, the addition of Jack Finley, you know, really gave the Winnipeg ice a little, not a little bit, a lot more depth in their skill area, a little bit more size. You know, let's keep in mind that, the geeky and Benson and Savoy are still young players, right? Like they're, they're younger, you know, and I, I, I look at the Edmonton I, uh, Oil Kings and I think the Edmonton Oil Kings, they're just a little bit older, you know, with, you know, and I, I'm looking at, at, at Jake neighbors and I'm looking at Caden Gooley, real difference makers. I know Carson Lambos is a really good player. You know, I think that when I look at the Edmonton Oil Kings, I think they have a little bit more depth and, 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 and junior hockey, being a little bit older helps. <laughs> it really does. It doesn't mean you're not capable of winning when you're younger. Even when I go back and I look at those great Camelot's Blazers teams uh, that won those three Memorial Cups in, in, in four years. You know, you go back and look at them and, you know, when Jerome McGinley and Shane Doan, they were young, but, but they had the older players. And, you know, and, and, and they, were, they were good and they were competitive. But I, I, I'm not so sure that, Winnipeg right now, I, I always felt at the beginning of the year, let me put it this way, I felt that next year would be Winnipeg Ice's year. I really did. I really felt that that would be the year. Not that I would exclude them from being in the mix this year, but I think that th that's what they're up against. You know, the goaltending, Kosa is a good goaltender, but when you have the skill that the Winnipeg Ice have, you're able to, you know, open up goaltenders, you know, and, 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 and the ability to, to get on the scoreboard. But I would say that the Edmonton Oil Kings, the depth is a little bit deeper, and 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 that gives them an edge in this series. Do I think the, uh, the Ice can win? I absolutely do think they can win. Don't get me wrong here. I think that this sets up as as a real great Western Hockey League Eastern Conference matchup. I really do. I think it's it's the two best teams, and you know certainly the Winnipeg Ice after everything they've been through over the last number of years, first in Kootenay, 
they're, they're on the cusp of, of doing some really significant things, not just this year, but into the future. And so I think it sets up for a great series. Well, I cannot wait for it. I just got to quickly ask you. I mean, we know that Savoy and Geeky uh, will be uh, hear their names called early in the first round. Zach Benson, I saw him for the first time play last year in the bubble as a 15-year-old. He has eight goals and 10 assists for 18 points in 10 games so far. He leads the team by three. Um, Just thoughts on him as a player right now, Craig. And once he gets, what is it, two years away from being drafted? Um, how much of a- he's next year. He's 2023. Okay. Uh, where will we be talking about Zach Benson when we get to the NHL draft as, uh, as well? I'd be talking about him in the top five this year. <laughs> really? He, he, he's magic. I, I think he's got a game that's a lot like Patrick Kane. Now, I'm not saying he's Patrick Kane. He's got that type. He's got imagination. He's got creativity. He's elusive. He's evasive. And, I mean, he's, he, he's so highly skilled. Like, you know, when you look at somebody at that age that drives play in such a significant way for the Winnipeg Ice – you know, that tells you a lot. And and one of the things I always look for, Andrew, when, when I'm watching younger players, it doesn't mean that you're physically strong enough and able to handle the, the rigors physically, but do you get pushed out of the action? And Zach Benson might not win every battle. He might not be capable of winning every battle, but he never gets pushed out of a battle. He never gets pushed out of a game. He's right in there. And business skill is so good and his mind is brilliant you're talking about a top end player. So, you know, I and 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 he might be a real key figure in this series because I would suggest that if the Edmonton Oil Kings don't find a way to get him uh limited, you're not going to stop him, but you better find a way to get him limited. If you don't limit him, he he could be the X factor. Well, I, I tell you what, I mean, if folks have not seen these teams play or the ice so far, get out to the ice cave. Uh-huh. It is going to be a, a heavyweight tilt between two of the best teams in junior hockey in the entire country. Craig, this has been fun. What's on the docket tonight? You're going the uh, Battle of the Sunshine State and then the uh, Abs Blues. You're paying attention to some junior hockey. Uh, lots of options for a guy like you right now. Only so many yeah, hours in a day. Of, there is lots of options. You know, next week, uh, I, I mean... Uh, I'm going to be in the building watching the Flames and the Oilers, and that gives me a chance next week to see the Ice and the Oil Kings up in Edmonton. That worked out really nice with their scheduling, so I'll be up there. And and tonight I'll just tune in to the uh, to to Florida and Tampa Bay and the Colorado Avalanche. I'll tell you what, they they're rocking and rolling right now too. They look like a, a real juggernaut. So that's where my attention will be. It won't be as dialed in tonight, uh, Andrew, as as it was last night or the previous night, but. It's a fun time of the year. I tell you what, uh, this has been a real fun conversation, Craig. Thanks so much for making some time for us in Winnipeg. Enjoy the Battle of Alberta and enjoy the uh, Battle of the Western Hockey League getting going Friday here at the Ice Cape between our Winnipeg Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings. Have a great one and a great long weekend. Yeah, same to you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy joining you. Ah, there he is, our good friend Craig Button, TSN's Director of Scouting. We'll talk more hockey. Brandon Rewicki's... uh, Got his team of stylists getting him ready for his weekly appearance here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, Hey, our friends at Vita Health continue to provide great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And uh, if you can't make it into the store, their website is brand new, revamped, fully shoppable, so you can buy online 
or schedule a delivery with Instacart. But you are going to want to pop in to one of their seven Winnipeg locations and check out all the great, delicious, and healthy options in their grab-and-go deli, including Vitamarket salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. And make sure to try the exceptionally tasty falafel salad. And hey, for your barbecues, delicious lean bison steaks or chicken available as well. As I mentioned, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and they're online at myvita.ca. Uh, Culligan continues to be the leaders in our community for water services of all kind, and they've been doing it for 65 years as a family-owned business. They've got it all, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage of the summer, or for your business, Culligan's got you covered. Pop down and visit them at 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180, or online at drinkculligan.com. Uh, Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery are ready for the long weekend and ready for spring and summer. I know many of you probably planning on uh, making the most out of what's looking like a pretty ugly weekend. Well, the best thing you could do is get everything ready for spring and summer. And... Uh, Manitoba Battery, open late now until 8 p.m. for their special spring and summer hours because many of you need to get working after you're finished at the office. And the bottom line is you're going to shop local, you'll save time, and you'll save money and get the best prices on batteries of all shapes and sizes with the team over at Manitoba Battery. You can give them a call at 783-8787. They'll get your battery ready for you to pick up quick and easy at 1026 Logan Avenue or find out more online at manitobabattery.com. And uh, our friends at Royal Sports are ready for a rainy weekend. It might be more on the merch aisle this weekend. Of course, they've got the greatest selection of merchandise in town, maybe in Canada, to be perfectly honest with you, when it comes to the National Hockey League, NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and of course, the world of international soccer. Uh, but more than just fans, for athletes as well, a newly expanded soccer section for the upcoming season, softball, baseball, an expanded fitness section as well. And of course, bikes coming in weekly in their big bike section at the back of Royal Sports. They've got it all at Royal 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and deals. All right, Thursday afternoon, let's get Rowicki in here to uh, to chop it up. Brandon, what's going on? How are you, my man? I'm doing good. How's it going today? I, I know it's doing good. Uh, do you got the, the PGA going on on the uh, split screen? Of course I do. Of course yep. I do. What uh, what'd you make in the morning? Uh, we got a chance to see Tiger looking pretty good and uh, great first round for Rory McIlroy. Uh, a lot of questions as to when Rory's going to be back in truly contending and winning majors again. Uh, listen, he was in the mix at the Masters, but just had too far to make up from poor early rounds. Far from it today with uh, the way he went out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I haven't recorded, so I'm about 10 holes into Tiger's round. So that that's pretty much all the the anal analysis I can give you. But uh, look, if, if Rory's hitting his wedges as well as he has so far, it is game over. No, no one's going to touch him this week. Who did you and have on the? Who did you have on the uh, on your uh, on your pool or your picks before uh, before they teed off this morning? Rory. <laughs> he's my it's not it's not augusta he's my guy again i can go back to picking him so i yeah I, I don't know i don't really know like a ton about this golf course either and and to be totally honest i just realized it was the the pga about three days ago um they that's the one thing i know the pga championship needs a publicist that's like the number one thing it's unfortunately the forgotten major 
Um, but I, I, I just, I, it's feel like it's been too long since we've seen Rory. Like he's been the prototypical. Oh, he's a T10 because he shot a 63 on Sunday to sneak yeah. in, by, right? And, so, and made the cut on the number. Exactly. Like I want to see him near the top of the leaderboard on Saturday, on Sunday. See what he's made of. I, I he's he's close. He's been close in the past. Would love to see him break through here, but that's that's definitely going to be my guy. And I like uh, I don't know how Max Homa finished, but so uh, you know maybe maybe because Scheffler won Augusta, I'm trying to go with a hot hand here. So Max Homa wouldn't be a bad little sprinkle on the side too. Is a lot. Well, he's such a good dude too. I think everyone would love to see what uh, what was happening with him. And yes, I know what Phil is saying. Not Team Canada. Listen, the Canada Kazakhstan game. To be honest, maybe not quite up there with me. Well, we'll we'll see what happens. Although that game got pushed back a couple hours today because apparently there was a fire in the arena, uh, which was uh, uh, all sorts of weird stuff happening at the World Championships. That was right that now. was Dubois' stick that was on fire after <laughs> after game one that he had. That's right, man. It's great to see. I mean, both Dubois and Lowry having great tournaments so far. Really happy. Just quickly on that. Um, you know, listen, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a real leader for this club, but what a great opportunity for Adam Lowry, a guy that, you know, has sort of been in a particular role here in Winnipeg for a long time. I thought had a great second half of the season, especially yeah. coming out of the All-Star break. Um, these opportunities won't come around very often. Hopefully, more often than not, Adam Lowry is busy and unavailable at this time of the year. Um, but for him, especially with what he probably had to go through with his dad being the coach, this can't have been an easy year. Um, pretty cool to see him get this opportunity and make the most of it so far at the Worlds. Well, even for a guy that's, I think he's 29 or soon to be 30 now, you know, it, it can be a major confidence boost going into the offseason and, and going into next year, right? Because he's going to be playing with with guys at a higher skill level than he's played with in in quite some time. And that's really the only... The only major element of Lowry's game that needs, I guess you could call it improvement, right? You know, if he if he's given you 30, 40 points, then yeah, he's it's gonna be your third line center moving forward here. That that's always been the debate. I had it actually yesterday with a with a guy on Twitter about, you know, kind of the, the dream Winnipeg Jets fourth line going into next year. A lot of people have Adam Lowry in that role. So it, it would be neat to see just if he can build off of, you know, however he plays the rest of the world championships here, build off that into next season and Tell you what, if he's the fourth line center, you know, regardless of what he does this summer, the Jets are going to be in a damn good spot up front next year. Well, and, and here's the thing. you got to have guys that can fill in that role in the quote-unquote third line. And this, yeah. of course, goes to uh, the topic that is on all of our minds and probably on Flyer fans as well. Where the hell is Barry Trotz going to end up? And, you know, everyone was all horny when we heard the uh, the uh, the news that there was an interview or a meeting. I know Darren, uh, Darren Drager yesterday Claire, uh, you know, classified it as a more informal meeting with Barry Trotz from the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, but I think the fact that they were seemingly first out meeting with Barry right out of the gate after his week off was was a good, uh, you know, like, listen, a good sign. Um, but dream scenario for Jet fans, Barry Trotz comes in. And listen, you have to have guys that you can play ahead of him in that lineup. But if you look at what Barry Trotz did with the New York Islanders, yeah. I mean, the difference between the third and the fourth line might have been weighted towards the fourth line, to be honest, with Clutterbuck and yeah. with Martin. And, you know, if if a Winnipeg Jets team could have a, a line, and we can classify it whatever you want with Adam Lowry on, that does what that line did, that plays 10, 11, 12 minutes a game, you add in some special teams. I mean, that to me is a recipe for a, certainly a more effective bottom six. It all starts with the personnel. Uh, but also how you use them. And uh, as we know, the fourth line this year for the Winnipeg Jets was 
for all intents and purposes, non-existent, Brandon. Yeah, no, and and that's that's the point that I think I've been trying to make for a while is, you know, <laughs> there's been this there's been this look oh, at it. By living. the way, by the way, just quick update. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Uh, beautiful power play goal by Adam Lowry as we speak right now. Oh, Three yeah. two Canada at the Worlds. Yeah. PP one, <laughs> PP one. Uh, but you know. Sorry, There's now we're going back from power play to putting him on the fourth line. Continue. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So why why Adam Larry should be on the fourth line? No, you know, it's just for so long here in Winnipeg, it's been like a six, seven-minute fourth line. And I think people have this thought or notion that you put Adam Larry down there, he's only going to be playing, you know, a handful of minutes a night. But that's not what that's not what almost every other team in the NHL does. It's not what good teams do. Yeah, and and you're bang on, and that's that's where I was gonna go with it, where what's wrong with having a fourth line with Adam Lowry on it that's similar to Zizekas, Clutterbuck, and Martin next year? And to me, I, I've always made this point, but Adam Lowry can be Brian Boyle 2.0 for the Winnipeg Jets. There, there's, like, there's a ton of value in having a fourth-line center like Brian Boyle was in his prime, playing you know at least 12 minutes a night, being your number one penalty killer, and even getting some power play time as well. And and hey, if the third line isn't going that night, then then you play the fourth line a little bit more. It's it's more so just a an organizational mindset shift, right? Where you go away from bo- uh, top six, bottom six, and instead it's top nine, borderline top twelve. You know what I mean? Like that. That's the main thing that needs to be changed not just loading up your best six players on the top two lines and trying to go power versus power. It's trying to have the most balanced lineup, making sure guys aren't playing 23 minutes a night during the regular season. And then they're, you know, much fresher, much more effective by the time the postseason rolls around. Brandon Rewicki's with us here. Let's talk about trots for a minute. Um, he, and I guess we sort of touched on this last week and you had mentioned, I mean, so I know Maul was saying, Hey, this sort of feels like, you know, everyone was so fired up about Dylan and Schmidt was going to fix all the uh, the defensive problems, but it didn't happen. I'll say this about Barry Trotz. I mean, the resume and the work speaks for itself. Craig Button just laid it out. I mean, what he did in Washington, what he did in Nashville, I mean, kind of building that team yeah. up, but especially in his last two spots. Um, for both the, the Jets and the Flyers, for that matter, I mean, you can speak to that. How impactful do you think a hire of Barry Trotz would be for two teams that do have some talent, one team more than others? You can be the judge of that. Um, but, uh, but I mean, as far as honestly, I mean, the two teams that in- were incredibly disappointing last year, how realistic is it to uh, for a guy with a resume like that to come in and, and do what he did in New York the first year? Yeah, you know, it's I, I don't know if, how, how Remus is on like the the graphics and stuff like that, but you know, Panda Watch from from Anchorman. I feel like yeah. we need like a Trots Watch. Oh, I'm, I'm, every time we talk about Barry Trots here, it's it's day five of Trots Watch right now. I I don't think it can be understated. To to me, I, like if you talk about some of the names that are available personnel wise and and coaching wise right now. Like it, it's Barry Trotz and, and Johnny Gaudreau to me, and I, everybody else is in a different league as far as potential impact for next season. And as crazy as Johnny Gaudreau is and how well he's playing right now, I, I just don't think it comes close to the impact Barry Trotz brings, right? Like, I mean, again, you go talent for talent. The Islanders shouldn't have been sniffing the Eastern Conference Finals the past two seasons prior to this one. And Trotz had them a game away from... You know, going to a Stanley and, and probably winning a Stanley Cup, taking down the Tampa Bay Lightning, 
with, with a collection of players nowhere near the level of talent that the Jets have right now. And I mean, Washington, Nashville, he, he's done it at literally every single stop. So I, again, the, the crazy thing with Trotz as opposed to most coaches is what's the negative? Like, I, I just don't think there is one. It's just like positive after positive after positive. And then the fact that he's the hometown boy, the home province boy, it's like just the cherry on top here. So it, it, it really does come down to, and I, I talked about this a little bit earlier this week about, you know, like the power rankings of teams that are maybe most likely to find a way to convince him to be the head coach of the team. And, you know, it's funny, while Vegas has the most, I think, ready-to-win now roster out of teams with a coaching vacancy right now, if you're Barry Trotz, why the hell would you want to go there? You're not going to get any managerial control with with uh, McCrimmon and McPhee there. And do you really want to be treated the way Vegas has treated coaches and players with this, with this cutthroat mentality that they've had these past couple of seasons? If you're interested in maybe this being your last stop, I, as weird as it is, I really do think it's coming down to the Jets or Flyers. The Flyers, I think, can open up the checkbook more than Winnipeg does. They'll give them managerial control. And in a weird way, you want a challenge, come to Philly. And if you could take this sad sack bunch of losers to the playoffs, <laughs> then we'll build a statue outside next to Bobby Clark. But but Winnipeg is kind of like the perfect mix in between Philadelphia and Vegas, don't you think? Where it's, I mean, the thought is at least it's a roster that is close to, to win now. You've got a Vesna goalie and the crease as well. But you still will likely get some managerial say. And, you know, it's not like you're going to be coaching for peanuts either if the Winnipeg Jets find a way to bring you aboard. So I really I really do think it's down to those two teams, unless something wacky happens in round two here and, you know, a, a pretty high up playoff team has a coaching vacancy. I, I really, really do believe, like, it's going to come down to the Jets or the Flyers. And if if that's the case... I don't know how the Jets can't have the upper edge over the Flyers right now. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, listen, I mean, you really hope. I mean, hey, he might love the travel. And, and I mean, he's been out in the East Coast for a while. He might be comfortable there. Um, you know, you have to, from a Jets perspective, you have to hope that there is some level of romanticism about coming back home and being able to be a difference maker, knowing what it would mean to this community to get this team turned around and be the guy behind it. But I am interested, I, and I, I mean, because there's no way we'll ever really know this unless he speaks to it once he makes his decision. But you mentioned Connor Hellebuck. I mean, I think Connor Hellebuck might be the ace in the hole for the Winnipeg Jets if you're Barry Trotz looking at, okay, you know, I've got these pieces. You know that there's some solid talent up front. But major questions in Philly about Carter Hart going forward, although I think Carter Hart might be the biggest beneficiary of a Barry Trotz hire in Philadelphia, as we've seen before, certainly in New York. Carter Hart's going to pitch in half his salary to bring Trotz <laughs> to Philly. <laughs> um, but in Vegas, I mean, they went from arguably having the best one-two punch with Fleury and Laner to having just a massive question mark going forward. And they have no salary cap flexibility whatsoever right now and that is going to be there we go Trotz watches on wst nice work remus scotty works fast um i mean that the the, the goaltender of the winnipeg jets in addition i think is certainly something that would um maybe put them a little bit ahead but again there's so many other variables and and influences i think on what will eventually determine what he decides to do yeah no no totally and i mean on top of that you know, I mean, hopefully he's okay. Another Winnipeg boy, but Mark Stone has back surgery coming yeah. up soon. And as somebody who's had back surgery, I'm hoping for the best for him. But especially, you know, going into his 30s, that's not something that's easily that that's easy to come back from. 
and they're an older team to begin with too like I, I just I don't think Vegas is a good fit for Barry Trotz. I, I, I really don't. And I think what Winnipeg has to offer, it, it's just sometimes things all fall into place at the perfect time. Like it's it's almost more timing than luck in a lot of instances. And I, I think that's what Winnipeg is kind of falling into right now is that we have a coaching vacancy. We have a team that we think is still on the rise here. And, you know, well, it's, this is kind of a one in a million. Let's find a way to make it happen. Oh, well, you know, very, very well said. And just to your point about, you know, the way Vegas has treated players, but and coaches, I mean, for a guy like Barry Trotz, you know, a veteran, I'm sure the way Gerard Gallant was treated and maybe to an extent, Peter DeBoer as well, might potentially shine less of a positive light, despite what the organization has done and how committed they've been to winning and doing everything they can to try to get a, 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 a Stanley Cup champ. Hey, Dallas, member for two months in the supporter category. Thanks, buddy. And of course, thanks to all the members that are with us here. All right, let's move on from Trot's Watch, our daily edition of it, to the playoffs. I mean, I've been wanting this Battle of Alberta for all season long. What an absolutely ridiculous 60 minutes of hockey last night. I mean, what did you think about game number one last night? Uh, I don't know. I've always wanted to watch a game in the 80s, and we finally got one last <laughs> night. <laughs> it's it's so rare. It's so rare to have something live up to the hype, right? And it was it was better than that. Was, like, who doesn't want to see? I, I would say, who doesn't want to see six more games of that? If if we get that, it's only going to be three more games of that, and, and oh. everyone's going to be packing their bags early. That was, I mean, it, it was a shocking display of ineptitude by everybody not named Connor McDavid last night. Well, because- Button was just on the sh- on the show, and he said, "Listen, I mean, I know they came back, and it was six six. He said even at six six, Edmonton was getting pummeled yeah. last night. I mean, that was the most lopsided close game you'll see, and." Listen, I was super impressed with what Calgary did. I mean, they sort of came and, you know, were in that game seven mode that they were in absolutely relentless against the Dallas Stars last night. And the Edmonton Oilers could not have looked less prepared for prime time than the way they came out last night, starting in net and going right out outside of 97. Yeah, well, and to talk about having your flaws exposed as well. And the fact, imagine, and maybe it was psychological. Calgary's like, we just went from Jake Ottinger to Mike Smith. This is this is an absolute jackpot. And it's, it, you know, the, the two big issues that have really plagued Edmonton for how many seasons now reared its head again. It's goaltending. Hey, look, they didn't, they didn't stop a whole lot of shots getting towards the net last night, but the goaltending was absolutely horrendous. And I mean, Mike Smith could have maybe, maybe if Mike Smith makes, you know, two out of those three stops early on, maybe the Oilers can stem the tide and then get back in. But like you're climbing uphill at that point. It's, it's difficult to try to get back into the game, although they did that, but there's just not a lot there in, in Edmonton. Right. And they remember they squeaked by a Kings team without Drew Doughty. So it's not like they came in round two with a ton of momentum on their shoulders here. It's just, I, I just think if this is what you are, you're a flawed, flawed team with the best player on the planet right now. And he's, he, he might grab you a couple of wins, but it's not going to be anything more than I, I just, there, there's no way I can see this going more than six games. And on top of it, Calgary's looking at this probably like, look, Jacob Markstrom played his worst game as a flame. Oh. And, and, and we still pretty much cruise to victory here. If he gets back to who he was in round one, and he had maybe the most underrated performance because he was, 
you know, outshined by Jake Ottinger, then this is this could get ugly really, really quick, really quick for the Oilers. Yeah, how they bounce back and perform tomorrow night. I mean, even if they don't win, I mean, they need to compete. They need yeah. to get to that level that the Calgary Flames are bringing, shift in and shift out for a full 60 minutes to avoid it being a very, very short series. And maybe you can get back, you know, back in the series back at home. I'll be really interested to look. Listen, I hope this series does go a few extra yeah. games. If for no other reason, we get to see more of Brady Kachuk and the Kachuk oh family's antics in the in the stands for these games. Dude, I, I tweeted out to, to Eddie Yard, just like this. I Instead of a split camera, an ISO, like, can we just follow Brady Kachuk as just, just whatever he does for the rest of the night? Like, it's, I love it. There's some people that, I don't know, they got a problem with it. It's just it's funny how we want more personality from from NHL players, and then they go ahead and show it, and they get crucified by certain people in the media. But I I am one billion percent on Team Brady Kachuk. I hope he gets out of Ottawa somehow and finds his way out here or to fill wherever it is. But I I want more Brady Kachuk, even the whole Kachuk family. If we just get a Kachuk cam. I'm, oh, I'm down with that for the rest of the series and send him to Edmonton in the Flames jersey too. Oh, hey, absolutely. That needs to happen. The Chuck family needs to be there for game three and four. And uh, of course, Keith had his uh, favorite hat from one of his favorite bars and didn't that want that one going on the ice after his own son scored a hat trick last night in the Stanley Cup playoff game. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um, but as I said, quick, I mean, 15 goals. I don't know how they follow that one up. Uh, I certainly know how the Flames will want to follow it up. And the Edmonton Oilers are going to be a hell of a lot better. Did you see much of the Canes uh, Rangers game last night? It's kind of funny how that series, you know, certainly doesn't have the star power, the media around it, certainly here north of the border. But of course, for Jet fans, I yeah. mean, really, that is the one that Jet fans, I think, are the most invested in because if the New York Rangers can win this series, that second round pick turns into a first rounder. And we heard from Gerard Gallant. He loved the way his team played last night. Um, you know, it was Sebastian Ajo willing that puck in on that breakaway late in the game after Shesterkin got the pad out and then a quick end to overtime. I mean, disappointing start on the road result-wise, but I think the Rangers feel like they can play with these guys for seven games. Yeah, that was just such a backbreaker, though. Like, they, was. like their first two, I, I honestly thought Carolina was just going to roll them for, you know, four or five games in a row, but the, the Rangers have played them big time through the first two periods and then, Look, they're a young team. Maybe they sat back too much, whatever it is. But that was one they really, really needed. Like, they really needed to steal that one. And then you're kind of playing with house money from that point on. So I, I still think Carolina takes this one and, and does so pretty easily. They kind of just, they, they dodged a major bullet there. And nothing drives me crazier watching hockey than when defensemen try to tip the puck with their stick before their goalie stops it, especially when your goalie is... Eagle oh. freaking Shesterkin, like just get out of the way. He's going to get paid 10 million bucks to do it. Let him handle his business. That And that just kind of adds to the heartbreak of it is that, you know, when Aho ties it, you can maybe live if, if Svechnikov scores or, or Aho scores or Tara Vinen, but when Ian Cole sends you pack it in game one, well, we'll, we'll see if they can bounce back. I'm hoping so, but I'm not super optimistic. Hey, what um, pre-series, uh, who were you taking in the uh, Battle of the Sunshine State, and what did you think about the uh, Lightning's big road win without Braden Point yeah. in game number one? I thought that was huge for Tampa. Well, that's why I took Florida, because there was no Braden Point, and the Panthers suck. They, that was... I don't really get what's going on with it. I think we were kind of on the same page that, look, they didn't play that good in round one, but they got lucky and were able to 
to squeak on through, and then maybe they can kind of build off that and play better. But that was that was just listly. It reminded me of a lot of Winnipeg Jets games this past year, where it's like, wow. that's a bad thing. That's a yeah, bad like, thing when you're playing Tampa in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, like where's the energy? Like where they, they just seem so so lifeless. Like I don't know if it was because half of Miami was at the Heat game instead of the Panthers game. Good job, Bettman, on scheduling. But that was just a really disappointing effort. And maybe Tampa Bay is just going to lean on this pedigree and find a way to battle through and take down another team. Um, But it was also a reminder that, you know, I didn't didn't think he was bad or anything in round one. But especially with point out, you knew he had to step up. It's like, oh, yeah, Nikita Kutrov won the MVP two years ago. Like that that was kind of the the big statement game from him and he dominated I, that game. And I don't know about you, Brandon, but I mean I didn't notice him as much at five on five in the Leaf series. I mean, yeah. he was lethal on the power play, but you know, whether it was credit to the to the Leafs and what they were doing against Tampa or the fact that they maybe had to puck a little bit more, I mean Kucherov looked like a different player at five on five in game number one of this series. than he did in that seven game marathon against Toronto. Well, and I, I don't, I feel like maybe I'm stupid. I am stupid. Maybe this is stupid, but like, do you feel like Tampa Bay's underrated at all? Like we're talking about how many hall of famers do they have on their team? Like five shoe wins for like, for sure. Like Vasilevsky likely headman enshrined Stamkos pretty much enshrined. Kucherov, I mean, it's pretty rare for a hard trophy winner not to get in if he has a, a few more big seasons. And then maybe even Braden Point, who, you know, might have another con Smythe by the end of it. Like, they're just... So... Oh, don't forget Maroon. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah he wins the cup every year. He must be one of the best players ever. Yeah. Corey Perry, too, technically. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a Hall of Favor, right? Like, they're just... They're so, so loaded. And just the fact that... And, and it's been this way for two playoffs now, but like if you can slow down Kucherov, if you can slow down Stamkos, if you can find a way around Hedman, then it's like, oh yeah, we have the best goalie in the world right now and a, potent, a future Hall of Famer in Vasilev. Like it's just, it's so much, you just need so much to overcome them. It's why I think people feel not so bad about the Leafs losing is that they, they play, they might've even outplayed Tampa Bay who were at full strength for much of that series. But I, I do like, I still, I don't know if I would take Florida anymore just because they were so awful in game one, but I, there is a part of me that's like, you know what, this is, even if they don't win it all this year, like this is a dynastic team. There, there's very few teams in NHL history, especially in the cap era, that have been as as well-stocked as Tampa Bay has. Well, there's no doubt. And listen, when you win the way they do, you're able to uh, you know, get players that want to come there, play on cheap deals. They've made their money elsewhere. They're ring hunting, and you know, it's a great spot to end. I'll be honest. I mean, I, I picked Tampa to win the series. Uh, maybe from a betting perspective, I just thought there was major value with them being an underdog and getting plus 140 on the number. But it came down to one thing, and I said this in our lock shot preview. These two teams are both great. I think it'll be an awesome series. It'll be tight. I'm taking Vasilevsky over Bob every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. And then the other thing that we don't talk enough about, you know, maybe in particular series, is the coaching matchup. John, um, the, uh, the Tampa coach, John Cooper, has done it all. And Andrew Burnett, credit to him for the job he did after Q got the boot. And, you know, he's a finalist for the Jack Adams. But you're moving up a couple weight classes going into the Stanley Cup playoffs and doing it against a guy that hasn't lost a series in three years. Yeah, and who knows what my favorite part of Cooper's playoff performance so far is the mind games against Toronto, right? Oh. right every game was a new narrative every single game. Like that, you're just like, 
you can't help but tip your cap at that point. Like this, he is would okay. comment. He would commend them that they're a very good team and remind them that they haven't won a damn yeah. thing in two decades. <laughs> and we could also score whatever we want, so no yeah. big deal. So I, yeah, that 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 there's two things there that really tilted in their favor, no doubt about it. But then when you also you take those aspects into account, that you have Ekblad getting walked by Nikita Kucherov in the opener, and then that Victor, Hedman. Victor, Hed- Victor Hedman's not getting walked by anybody. So, like, that's that's the other... There's just so many trump cards with Tampa Bay that I'm kind of at the point now where it's like, how do you beat them? Like, outside of... I, I don't know. I don't know what the recipe is. Like, they're just... They're, they they might actually... I didn't think we'd ever see a three-peat. I didn't think we'd see back-to-back, but a three-peat felt impossible, but... Man, oh man, it might take maybe Colorado and Calgary merged teams to take them down. Like, I don't know what it's going to take. Well, speaking of how you're going to beat them, I mean, listen, I was less boy, bullish on the Avalanche, you know, making it all the way through and winning the cup. And again, we'll still see. I think if they do play Calgary, that'll be a really, really tough series. And obviously, we just talked about what's happening there. But I kind of thought that St. Louis would really give them a, a tough spot, a, a tough run. Now, Yes, the first game went to overtime, but Bennington played very well, as much as I hate to admit it. I I think the final shots were 52-25 or something like that. Um, This Avalanche team seems to have learned maybe some lessons from the past, uh, Brandon, and are on all cylinders at this point. Um, I thought we might be talking about a six or game seven series. After the wait, that is a game that St. Louis almost absolutely had to have i think if we were going to get deep i'm not sure that this one goes past even five at this point yeah you know it's funny because st louis improved so much from last year and they were swept by the avs they're probably thinking hey we're right back in this but guess what the avs also improved greatly right like at the deadline they they got like a bunch of new additions i mean what is it kemper lekanen manson there's there's probably a few others that i missed like for a team like colorado to get that much better is, is pretty pretty alarming for anybody that they're going to go up against. And, you know, I, I think they've been more victims of bad fortune than anything, right? Like go back to the, the playoffs two years ago against Dallas, right? In round two, they were on um, Hutchinson was like their fourth string goalie. And they're still blowing out the stars on the shot clock. It's just, you know, they couldn't get a bounce or two to go their way. Um, I, 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 I like St. Louis a lot. Um, I, you know, to be totally transparent, I did, picked Minnesota before this playoffs to beat Colorado in round two. So I, I really don't know what I'm talking about, but it does look like the avalanche have maybe found another gear. And I Calgary is probably their best bet in the West to slow them down. God forbid if Edmonton plays them, you might be getting 14, 15 a night, but that, that might, that's when you look at the teams that are left here, I think Colorado might be the only one that, you know, when you talk about high end skill, potential hall of famers, all that, that's probably the closest team you can find to match up against Tampa Bay. Hey, just before we go, speaking of uh, potential and high-end skill, how about this series we've got coming up beginning tomorrow night at the Ice Cape between the Winnipeg Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings? If it's been a collision course between these two teams all season long, one and two for the majority of the year in the CHL standings, it will be a shame that one of these teams will be out after this seven-game series. But I'll tell you what, for folks that uh, love junior hockey or that haven't seen this yet, going to be well worth the uh, price of admission to get out and see these two teams go at it. Yeah, well, in the high-end hair for Matt Savoie, like the kid's got... Oh. He's, Dude, did he's you got see him on the show the other day? Yeah, he, he came on right after me. I, I, I kind of lost track of where I was going for a Everyone while. thought that this was the reincarnation of uh, Matthew Perot. <laughs> 
<laughs> he looked great. And a great interview as well. I mean, a very, very bright young man. I was really impressed by Sabor. Yeah, I, I love watching him play too. I, I think, like, hey, look, I don't, I don't watch a lot of Slovakian and, and Chechen 17-year-old junior hockey, so I don't know how good those kids are. But, you know, as a Flyers fan with the fifth overall pick, I, I don't want to see him going past number five. So I, I've got maybe a bit more of a vested interest in watching him, but he is a tremendous, tremendous player. I still think he's getting underrated, you know, because of the undersized thing, which should no longer be a thing with the way hockey goes nowadays. But would love, 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 love to see Winnipeg take. It's been too long since Winnipeg took down Edmonton. There it is. Matthew, the, the love child of Matthew Perot. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm banking on Savoie to, to carry the way in and lead Winnipeg over the Oil Kings. Let's let's take him in, in six games. How about that? Well, let's get out to a game at some point this series. Uh, hey, uh, still same sked for uh, skates and plates right now. And uh, I guess you're imagine talking, uh, you know, continuing the trots watch uh, as well as uh, hitting the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, trots watch will continue for another day. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out a few other things to talk about. So that'll be out sometime tomorrow morning. So check it out there. Right on, buddy. Have a great long weekend. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, you too. We'll talk soon. There it is. Brandon Rewicki. Make sure to check out Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, all right. We'll do a Breezy Bend update from the PGA Championship in a little bit. But Dennis Bernstein's coming up next. I do want to let you know, though, if you're looking for a vehicle this summer, uh, before you go anywhere, pop by our friends at Not Auto Corp and see what they've got on the lot. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the Not team? And if you're thinking of going electric, talk to them, check out the Teslas on the lot, and talk to them about the Tesla experience to teach you everything you need to know about a switch from a traditional vehicle to an electric one. They're at uh, Waverly and McGilvery, and you can find out more on everything going on at Not Auto Corp and the Tesla experience over at Not.ca. Well, hey, listen, it's a long weekend. The weather doesn't look very nice outside, but that doesn't mean we can't enjoy a few delicious little brown jugs over the course of uh, the Victoria Day long weekend. And hey, little brown jug just launched a cider. The cider was fermented for four and a half months from cold-pressed apples from an Ontario orchard using a mix of wild and cultured yeast. It's dry and refreshing and gluten-free. And uh, that's just one of so many new products from little brown jug, including the cider, queer beer, Saison, Hefeweizen, and the Folkfest Lager. Stop by their taproom or patio to try one of their delicious brews or hit them up online, littlebrownjug.ca, with delivery citywide on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Darren Bombing will join us a little bit later on in the program. We'll get to the upcoming bomber season and the deal it's done. But hey, to celebrate that CFLPA deal, why don't you pop by one of the Nick and Nicky DQs, grab yourself a blizzard, and maybe one of those amazing new stack burgers. Four locations, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Great supporters of ours since day one of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And hey, you can also get a DQ cake order ready to pick up, customized for you at any of the four locations by hitting up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. All right, let's talk a little bit more hockey. As I said, we will get to the deal between the CFL and the CFLPA in a few minutes with our pal Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports. Uh, but the playoffs continue. Lots going on on the ice and off the ice in the NHL. And Dennis Bernstein of the fourth mm -hmm. period joins us now. DB, how are you? Doing great. You know, Hustler, this season I got two things off my bucket list. Seeing the Jets game in Winnipeg and meeting you. So well, it's been a big win this season. Listen, I, we got to do that again. Hopefully I can come and see you down in SoCal. Uh, it was great to see you and Dave here. And yeah. Obviously, lots going on with the Winnipeg Jets. You also took in 
that seven gamer between the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. Listen, valiant effort by the Kings. I was so impressed with Jonathan Quick. He's in turn back time. Uh, but it was Connor McDavid that really put his team on his back in that seventh game. Uh, but man, what a reality check for the Oilers last night going against the oh. relentless Calgary Flames uh, in, in a game that we'll remember for a long time. I mean, thoughts on the seven gamer between the Kings and Oilers yeah. that you followed and uh, then the way round two started last night in the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, look, it's a successful season for the Kings, also regardless, because I didn't have them making the playoffs. I had them about a 90-point team, which was a significant improvement. If you uh, prorated their season last season over 70, 82 games, it would have been about 72 points. Uh, so I thought about maybe 18, 20-point improvement. But to go to 99 points with that roster, without Drew Doughty for half a year, with the lowest shooting percentage in the league, with I think a save percentages in the 20s, uh, to me it was a great job by Todd McClellan. Uh, but, you know, what it took, as you mentioned, Hustler, Connor McDavid had to play 27-23 in the game seven to beat the Kings, which for a forward in a 60-minute 60 60 game, I've never seen before, Hustler, to be totally honest with you. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of minutes for a, a defenseman, much less a forward. So, to me, better things coming, but the Kings are going to have to prove offensively. You know, guys like Quentin Byfield, Gabe Velarde, they were healthy scratches in, in, in the postseason and, and they have played enough games to think, okay, they have to contribute. So to me, next year is a really pivotal year because, and, and the Kings can't answer themselves. I asked in exit interviews about taking the step from non-playoff team to playoff team. Is that more difficult than playoff team to legit contender? Because they're not a legit contender yet. Some guys said the first step is harder. Some guys said the second step is harder. They're going to have to add to their offense um, which offense wasn't an issue last night. I guess Daryl Sutter got the note that the games were boring against Dallas, so he decided to turn it up. But I, I've never seen anything like that, Hustle. And the game one of a second-round match, I was thinking that, like the other games, you started seeing in six and seven that there weren't a lot of goals scored. So, of course, I said, well, play the under. And then I forgot that Mike Smith was the goaltender <laughs> for Edmonton, and that was just – I guess that was a record, two goals in 51 seconds, the fastest two goals in a playoff game. But Mike Smith, and I guess you got to go back to him because I didn't see enough from Koskinen to say, okay, this is a better option for me. They were talking about Stewie Skinner today on 1260 in the morning at Edmonton. I mean, the fact that they're discussing bringing up a guy from the American League tells you all you need to know about what happened last night. The the thing I think that was really disappointing from the Edmonton perspective, and Craig Button mentioned this earlier today on the program, I mean, they just sit, I mean, they're compete level, like their level yeah. of engagement compared to what Calgary brings yeah. wasn't even in the same area code. And if they don't get that fixed right out of the opening face off in game two, um, this series could be a lot shorter than I think most of us are hoping for, Dennis. Yeah, Hustle, because we saw, I saw that when they lost the games, they lost to the Kings. That was part of the issue was engagement. And it went seven. And you probably said, okay, with the offense they have, Although, granted, look, Leon's not 100%. So that, that's a major factor as well. They, they say it's a high ankle sprain. It's hard for him to turn. You know, straight ahead speed is fine, as you saw in that two-on-one that he finished to tie the game. But, yeah, the, the questions about this team defensively, they came all out yesterday. Like, there's every single question you want to ask about this team's defense and engagement you could ask last night, and how did they bounce back? I, I think it takes a superhuman effort by Connor McDavid, and, and he's going to have to get four points in every game, like Dallas Sutter said. He said, if he gets four points every game, we're going to be in trouble. I'm not sure they're going to be in trouble, but I'm not sure. When I saw that goal by Miranda's Anderson to win that game, to go to 7-6, there was no coverage. He's a defenseman. He came in and there was absolutely no one around him. And I saw that to some, some 
extent in the Kings series. But again, Calgary is a much different team than, than the Kings. They have two 40 goal scorers. Uh, you know, they have a hundred point guy in, in Johnny Goudreau. And now finally, Matthew Kachuk's going to engage. You got to have the goal in game seven. He had three last night. If he's going to be engaged and going to be an, an influencer, it's going to be very tough for Edmonton. You're right. Just getting the note that uh, Woodcroft has confirmed Mike Smith is the game two starter. And I guess I'm not surprised at all about that, Dennis. I mean, he wasn't no. in long enough. I mean, I think they got him out early enough knowing that they were probably going to go back to him. And his credit, you saw this. He stunk in game number five. He came back yep. with two strong performances with the series on the line to get them through. Um, and listen, to your point, Koskin just didn't do enough last night to say, no. oh, I should be the guy going in game two. I don't know what their options are beyond Mike Smith, hoping that he's going to be a hell of a lot better than he was last night. Can it be worse? I don't think he could be worse. I saw that to me. And, and it's not just the look, th those two goals were terrible. Like you can't start a series like that, but he didn't have a lot of help defensively either. So oh. to me, that's the issue. It's the depth, the speed, the structure of Calgary. Like that doesn't, Edmonton can't match that. They're not going to win. They're going to win by running, gunning, getting opportunities off the rush. And the way Calgary plays, they shouldn't get that many opportunities off the rush. But you saw it. You can't relax against Edmonton either. And they took the foot off the gas pedal at 6-2. And, and Hustle being totally honest with you, I wasn't that impressed with Calgary in the first round. I really wasn't. I, I, they didn't do a lot offensively. The, the games were really close. And granted, Ottinger was fantastic down the stretch. But to me, I look at Colorado, and maybe they lose tonight. But I look at Colorado, I'm saying they're going to wipe the deck with either one of these teams because they're fast, they're big, they're resting guys, they're resting Landis Gog, he's not practicing. So to me, that's the issue. Not if you can get best Edmonton. Like, what are you going to do to beat Colorado? Yeah, well, I will say this. For the two fan bases in Alberta, um, I think they might take not winning the Stanley Cup, but winning the Battle of Alberta oh, yeah. for the yes, first time yes. in 31 games. The stakes are certainly high. Hey, I'm going to bring this back to the Kings for a minute and the Winnipeg sure. Jets. Um, there's been a ton of talk, trade talk surrounding Mark Shifley. We know that the Jets yeah. are going to make some moves. There's talk. Mm -hmm. I mean, I certainly am of the opinion that this core needs a significant change moving forward. And with Shifley, the season that he had, and where mm -hmm. he's at in his contract with two years left on a very affordable by NHL standards deal at just over $6.1 I don't think there's any doubt there'll be interest around the league. You talked about the Kings needing offense. Uh, how attractive do you think a player like Mark Shifley with that deal two years left on his term would be to a team like the Kings? You must have read my mind, Hustler. Last week, I was talking to people at Kings practice. That's exactly the guy they need. A, a son of a bitch, a tough guy, a guy that's big and scores and hits. And, and I would put him on wing. I'd move him to wing for two more years. That's what I would do. I, I sit this last yeah, I said, you know, they could use a guy like Shifley. But I'm like, now the return, I, I, I don't know what, what, what would fit for Winnipeg. So that's, that's a consideration, right? Because we're not probably going to trade Quentin Byfield, although Quentin, Quentin's got a little bit of work to do. But to me, yeah, absolutely. Like that guy, it's funny you say it because I, I wouldn't want that guy. And you're right, because of the, the age, the term, and the price, 100% that would be a guy that could certainly help the Kings offensively. Yeah, and I mean, from a Jets perspective, I will say, I mean, you know, he does have the size. I mean, certainly doesn't play very physical, or maybe coaches mm -hmm. would like to get a little bit more out of him, and they might be able to do that in wherever he goes from there. But just to that point, with the tantalizing offensive potential, the resume that he's put up, where he's at in his career, yeah. and the contract, I don't think there's any doubt that there'll be plenty of teams like the Kings that would have a heck of a lot of interest in a Mark Shifley. And 
from Kevin Sheveldayoff's perspective, if he is going to deal a guy that has been a franchise player for the Winnipeg Jets, the best thing he could possibly have is a number of players like the Kings sort of competing with each other to put together the best package yeah. for uh, for a return. Uh, and as Craig said before, it is tough to win that trade. I mean, if you're yeah. trading a player like that, I mean, it's probably not going to be a one-for-one one when you come back in. I mean, there's a number of intangibles here in Winnipeg that many people would say that maybe could be improved if you make that deal. But, I mean, the packages, there'll be a lot of coming back towards the Winnipeg Jets. Winning it is another story, what it does to your team. But make no mistake about it, interest around the league, I imagine, will be very, very high for teams like the one you cover the most closely. Yeah, what's the old cliche? You never want to be the, the one to trade the best player in a trade. And and believe me, it's not going to be a one-for-one. One. And there's going to be some prospects that they certainly have. It. Look, if you have, they have like 20 right defensemen. I don't know what they're doing with all these right defensemen that they drafted. And now Brad Clark might come up with the team. Drew Doughty's here, Matt Roy. So to me, if any team, not just Winnipeg, but any team looking for a right defenseman, you could probably visit Los Angeles and have a conversation with them. But, yeah, that's the type of player, a high-value player that can score and put on the wing. Because, you know, not for nothing. Like, love Andre Kopitar, personal friend, like known for the, since he's been here for, since day one. He's at a point where he used to make other players better around him. Now you need to surround him with better players. Like, and when the team that made the playoffs, the high scoring, this high score was 61 points. That's an anomaly. That, that doesn't happen, Hustler, that, that often. So to me, they won a lot of close games. Remember, they made the playoffs. They were 99.19 with a plus eight goal differential. That tells me you won a lot of games. When you lost, you got blown out, and they just need more offense. No, that's a great point. Dennis uh, Bernstein's with the fourth period and joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Before we go, I've got to ask you about the uh, coaching situation in the National Hockey League. We've been on Trot's watch ever since he was canned <laughs> by the Islanders, surprisingly, last week. Uh, obviously, there's the connections here to Winnipeg. It sounds like he'll be talking sure. to Philadelphia. Uh, any you hearing anything on Barry Trotz? And I'll ask you what you think the Vegas Golden Knights are going to do now that they have uh, sent Peter DeBoer packing after a disappointing season. Although there was plenty of things that happened outside the coach's control that conspired to you know have them outside of the uh, the playoff tournament. Yeah. Well, look, if I'm Barry Trotz, to me, Winnipeg's more attractive than Philadelphia. To be honest with you. I mean, that's in disarray. And you watch them team. And, yeah, they needed a new coach. But to me, I just think there's more talent. There's more high-end talent right now. Um, they had a lot of injuries, and it just didn't work. And who knows what happens with the general manager? But, but that's the other thing. If Cliff Fletcher you – know, if you go to Philly and Cliff and, and you don't do the job this year, Cliff Fletcher gets fired, then what happens to you? Right? To me, there's more stability. Chevy's not going anywhere. So I think there'd be more stable – opportunity and a team that just needs to be refreshed right i mean that that's what happens you need a new voice larry wasn't the guy but i i think it makes a lot of sense plus the connection so to me I, that's what i would be looking at vegas i i don't know I, this this owner just wants the nicest nicest brightest shiniest toy every off season and it hasn't worked so to me uh, could it be rick tockett right could it be travis green um, I think what you've seen, though, hustlers, especially with that franchise, they're not going to gamble to an unknown guy who's never had NHL experience before, right? And I think you're starting to see that. I think the success of Bruce Boudreau, because remember, Bruce came into Vancouver. Oh, Ray Tread, he's failed other places, and he did a really, really good job. Andrew Burnett, out of nowhere, you know, obviously he's the reason. Well, hey, speaking of the Panthers, yeah. I mean, what yeah. about Quenville? I mean, could Quenville be the guy, or is he still too radioactive um, with what happened in Chicago, even for Vegas, who I think would be uh, maybe an easier market to slide him into than maybe some others in the National Hockey League? 
the, sh the short answer is yes, he could be a fit for Vegas. And I don't think this owner cares. I, I think he just wants to win, and that's his best option. Like, he's going to go for it. Like, getting Jack Eichel was supposedly the best option. Now, granted, Jack had a broken thumb, played two months with a broken thumb. But, yeah, I wouldn't put anything out of the realm of possibility for Vegas. Because, and not for nothing, when they traded, I just don't get it. Like, I'm not a, a Robin Leonard fan, and people know it. But when they trade away Nate Schmidt, and they trade away Ryan Reeves, like, there's a chemistry and culture issue in that room. Because when they got hurt, people said, oh, you know, it wasn't Pete's fault because everybody was hurt. The Kings had as many injuries as the Vegas Golden Knights did. They probably had more. They had their best defenseman now for 50-some-odd games. So to me, I think it's an excuse, but I would not put anything past Bill Foley because first-year hustler, that screw, didn't screw him up. But now the expectations are way out of whack. Now it's first year, you made the cup final, so now every year you got to win the cup, which is very hard to do five seasons in. No doubt about it. Dennis Bernstein's with us. DB, before we let you go, uh, fill us in on what you, Dave, in the fourth period guys have uh, for round two, as well as this weekend with the show. Well, yeah, this weekend we have Hot Stove on uh, Sirius XM from 11 to 1 Eastern. Uh, we are going to be doing uh, the Cup Final. We're going to do a pregame show, Cup Final, wherever it is. Hopefully it's not St. Louis. I can't I can't, I can't. It's not a great <laughs> city. But, but, and then we've been doing a lot of videos with respect to uh, pre-game shows, you know, everybody's got a gambling sponsor these days. Hustler. So yeah, we have like, we do picks and we do uh, post-game reports on the Canadian series uh, for the fourth period.com. You can check out Dave's Twitter account, uh, the fourth period online, Dennis TFP, and get those updates and picks and uh, post-game uh, raps. Yeah. Give us a scoop. Who you got tonight in the Battle of Florida? Is Florida tie it up or uh, does Tampa take a stranglehold heading back home? You know, I picked the Panthers in six. I'm really scared of my pick right now. I did not like that game. I, I hated the game the Panthers played, and I hated the crowd. The crowd, it was it was silent in that building. It had 20,000 people in the building. The, uh, Hustler, this is the Panthers game seven. Because you're not telling me if they go down 2 nothing into Tampa, they're going to win four out of five with three games in Tampa. It's not going to happen. So to me, they got to be way better. And they weren't that great against Washington. So to me, I, I got to think they got to go all in tonight. So I do like the Panthers to win tonight. Dennis, always appreciate your time. Enjoy the games tonight and uh, a great weekend coming up of a uh, second round playoff action. Always great being on Winnipeg Sports Talk with the house. I appreciate the time. Thanks, pal. Folks, make sure you check out the fourthperiod.com and the, the work of our friends, Dennis Bernstein and Dave Pagnotta. We are going to talk CFL and CFLPA bombing coming up in just a second. Uh, and it's great news. We're going to get into the change of the preseason schedule. The home schedule won't change. And of course, that means the bombers are back for the first time this year, preseason action next Friday, a week tomorrow against the Edmonton Elks. And before every game this season, the Princess Auto Tailgate Party will be rocking outside of IG Field. Make sure to come a little early for all games this season and take a part of it. Of course, Princess Auto is the spot where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at Panit or West Portage locations here in the city or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, our friends at Canadian Club, I mean, they are ready for the long weekend. Mother Nature doesn't seem to be ready for the long weekend. I was hoping to get a six-pack of those ready-to-drink Canadian Club and ginger ale, stick it in a cooler, and be outside for a nice little shift. I don't know whether that's happening, but I'll still probably mix in one of the drinks of the summer, the ready to drink Canadian club and ginger ale. You can pick it up in six packs at your local Manitoba liquor marts 
or your favorite beer store right now. And of course, if you need your CC, Canadian Club available at all Manitoba Liquor Mart locations and at IG Field when we get to Bomber Games coming up this season is the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And a big shout out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. We mentioned opening days push back to the 31st of May. Earlier today, they had their big season kickoff luncheon with the media over at Assiniboia Downs. We got to wait a little bit longer, but we'll be horsing around in less than two weeks out of Assiniboia Downs with live racing on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays all summer long into the fall. And of course, you can bet online every day around the world at hpibet.com. All right, let's get to it. We got a deal in the Canadian Football League with the Players Association training camp resuming this afternoon for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Let's chop it up and look ahead to camp and the season with Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports. DB, time to get down to business. What's going on? All smiles over here, Hustler. Happy a deal is done. And, uh, you know, it's been a few days of like, what's going to happen? How how long is this going to take? But, uh, you know, I, we can all rest assured now a deal is done. And uh, it sounds like it's a good deal for both sides. I think that's uh, maybe the best uh, thing in it all. I know the players in the past have not maybe uh, had as much leverage or, or the ability to uh, get what they want. Uh, this year, they stood strong and, and uh, all power to them. Uh, there's a lot of things in this uh, CBA for the next seven years and an opt out after five when the TSN contract uh, is set to expire um, that uh, should serve the players and the league. Well, yeah, it, you know, we had Jake Thomas on who was sort of the uh, designated spokesperson from bomber players yesterday. And I got the sense that they were both relatively pleased with the way negotiations had gone. And I think there was also a quiet confidence that we were on the verge of getting a deal done. And of course, a few hours later, we got the announcement last night. Um, you know, I'm just going to go to to some of the reporting that Farhan's done to break down just some bullet points on it. I mean, there's a meaningful inf- increase to the salary cap. The transparency of the revenues, which I think was a real sticking point for CFL players and the CFLPA, seems to be there. Access to all revenues, including the Grey Cup, and the ability to audit the numbers, which I think was absolutely important. And goes without saying, it's common sense. If you've got a partnership that involves revenue sharing, make sure you know what that revenue is. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's a couple things. Five years of medical benefits by year three of the deal. Uh, I imagine that was incredibly important. And, you know, certainly we all remember what became of uh, Jonathan Hefney, the, the great CFL player and former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, with the issues that he had trying to pay for medical bills after... You know, he was injured playing in the Canadian Football League and things ran out. And of course, protection of the Canadian jobs and veteran Americans. Um, Where did you see, from my perspective, I think this is a big win for the PA, especially considering the lack of W's they were able to put forth in previous negotiations. But um, from your perspective, when you look at this big picture, what sort of stands out amongst, um, you know, the wins for the players and why this is good for the league? starting with the length of the term. We don't have to go through this for the next minimum of five years. Yeah, it's always kind of been three, four-year deals uh, between the PA and the, and the league. It's nice that it's going to be a little bit longer than that, so we don't have to be here again. Another thing I really like that they did, uh, reported uh, by TSN yesterday as well, is that this deal, this upcoming CBA will expire 30 days prior to training camp, which is important, right? So we don't have to be at this point where we're rescheduling preseason games. And I'm sure you and I will get into that in the Bombers Riders game in Regina uh, coming up later this month. But um, I I think one of the best things 
uh, this CBA has is protections for players and their health on the long term. You mentioned Jonathan Hefney. He's at the forefront uh, of this, like, you know, when you when you start having the conversations. But there's countless others who we've never heard about that are, are struggling with, you know, uh, whether it's head injuries on the long term or knee, back, whatever it is, physical ailments. Um in addition to the the mental health uh, moving forward, I think that's important for um, you know players that put their bodies on the line every day and and definitely every game day, uh, you know to to have that assurance that um, you know the people that are are, are employing them are going to take care of them for a bit more of an extended period of time. Um, they want to get back to padded practices. Now the CFL has not had padded practices. Now for the layman out there, that means no hitting all week. No helmet and shoulder pads on and, and actual contact, especially at the line of scrimmage between the offense and defensive line, but also linebackers and running backs and receivers and the safety. You know, they're, they're not blowing each other up. You know, Brandon Alexander had some pretty hellacious hits this year. He's not doing that in practice, but they have not had actual padded full contact practices for a couple of years. And a lot of people in CFL circles have told me, have, have spoken uh, outwardly about it is that the the quality of the product on the field on game days has suffered because of that. I've talked to offense and defensive linemen, both current and uh, alumni of the Canadian Football League, and they're you know they all share the same sentiment. How can you practice blocking without physical contact, without shoulder pads on? Like you can grab a guy's jersey when you know like they're wearing a helmet and there's no real contact, but half of offensive line and defensive line battle is the hand battles and, and grabbing the shoulder pads and, and, and knocking the shoulder pads and swimming past the shoulder pads, all of those things. They haven't been able to do that in practice for a couple of years. So now this new agreement will allow 12 one hour padded practices for the entirety of the season. It sounds like only a little bit when you think of three, four practice days before all 18 games that they play plus the preseason, but it is better than what they had before, which was none. And I think it's important for football players to do that. But when that, that was a huge sticking point in this uh, negotiation hustler and probably why it ended up going as long as it did. Well, you know, what was funny. We had Jake Thomas and I asked him about that yesterday. Yeah. I mean, how important of an issue. I mean, to me, I mean, I'm thinking about the health care and the length of the deal and the salary cap is the real issues. But this was something that was there. And, you know, we've, as you mentioned, I mean, you've talked to players. We certainly have as well. This was contentious on both sides. I mean, yeah. there were a number of players. I heard Doug Brown speak about it. I mean, how can you get ready for a football game if you don't simulate any of that in your practice? Now, on the other side of things, since they went away from the padded practices, injuries have been down 35%. So I think they have found a pretty happy medium that allows the coaching staff to in a limited bay on a limited basis, put mm -hmm. in padded practices and allow their players to prepare, hopefully with minimal injuries. Um, but again, improve the improve the point. And I think that'll be somewhat popular with the players as well, at least some of them, in particular the guys on the trenches, that in a lot of ways, and you hear from many of them will say they need some of that to get ready to be at yeah. their best on game day. You gotta practice like you play, right? So how do you do that without uh, you know, without pads on and hitting guys, right? Uh, let's talk about the ratio. And I mean, I know we were talking off air beforehand. This probably won't click um, in, get going until next season. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're going to have eight starting Canadians, but one is going to be a nationalized American, which is defined as a veteran American at least three years on the same team or five in the league. 
Uh, looking at the Bombers roster, continue, considering the continuity that they have had, this has got to be good for the blue and gold, correct? First and foremost, we're maintaining the Canadian content, but uh, I would imagine that the Bombers, as opposed to maybe some of the other teams in the league, might benefit more from their options as far as the naturalized Canadian. No or question. Naturalized American. Yeah, no question at all. It will be an advantage to the Blue Bombers. Now, there was some mixed uh, messaging when it came to what was reported last night. We will get clarity on this, and it's good that it's not for this 2022 season, but well, as you mentioned, implemented for 2023. Um, but having... Uh, those Americans who become quote unquote naturalized Canadians, if they have five years of service behind them in the Canadian Football League or three years behind them with the same team. So someone like Brandon Alexander or Stanley Bryant or Jamarcus Hardrick, uh, all Americans that would qualify as naturalized Canadians. The the caveat to this rule, though, is that it's only 49 percent of snaps. Now, is that on a game to game basis? There was some reporting that it's that. Then there was clarity saying it's it's 49% of snaps on the season. So w- which is it? We're not exactly sure. Uh, again, good that it's for 2023 and not this year, but it definitely changes things. How often do you hear from fans, Hustler? I know I do. Of like, who, whose jersey do I buy? This guy's not going to be in, in Winnipeg next year or in two years. And then I got a jersey with a guy on the back who plays for the opponent. This might help that. Uh, I always tell people, you know, grab a Canadian offensive lineman, good hard work and, uh, you know, Prairie Boy, uh, someone like a Pat Newfeld uh, is, is a great choice uh, because, you know, he's probably going to be here on the long term and is a great player. But if you want that receiver or that running back or that safety or DB or whatever it might be, um, this is probably going to stabilize players staying in cities and it's going to incentivize GMs and players to work on deals that keep them, uh, you know, with the same team for a longer period of time. Well, Darren, I'm glad that we can move on from talking about labor negotiations and get ready to talking about training camp. Um, We'll get to the preseason in a minute, but uh, just first off, I mean, looking at this bomber team, considering the work that Kyle Walters did in the off season to bring back so many players from the championship team, but some significant losses, when you'll be out at IG Field watching what's going on, I mean, uh, is there one area of camp, uh, whether it be a position overall or position battles that um, are of particular interest to you as uh, the guys get back on the field? Of course, I'm looking at my depth chart uh, right here. It's my annual way too early depth chart that I put out on bonfiresports.ca every year. You can find that in the news section there and kind of look at at the picture uh, of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers talent and and where those Canadian and American starters are. Uh, Defensive back is the one area hustler. I think it's always front of mind for Blue Bombers fans. Uh, You know, when, when you continue to lose players to the NFL, like Marcus Sales and Winston Rose in years past, Rose is now back. That's a great thing. Hey, thanks for that, Mike. I appreciate that. Um, and, uh, you know, now this year being DeAndre Alford going to the Atlanta Falcons. So you always have to kind of, as a GM in the CFL, you know, I asked Kyle Walters this just the other day. You kind of always have to find that uh, American rookie to step in and start. Uh, an important player for people to keep in mind this year is Taekwon Glass, a CFL veteran time with Edmonton. Most recently, they brought him in to, uh, you know, probably step into one of those starting roles in the Blue Bombers secondary. And Mercy Maston, who had a serious season ending injury in training camp last year, 
Like this is a guy I had a CFL GM tell me Mercy Maston is completely underrated. He's somebody that was instrumental in the Blue Bombers defense. Like we remember 2019 and how good that defense got when it mattered and, and kind of sparked the Blue Bombers going from third place in the West, running through the road and, and winning the Grey Cup in Calgary. Um, he was a huge reason why. So Mercy Maston returning healthy. Michael Shea uh, and Kyle Walters said that uh, Maston was probably healthy for the playoffs last year after getting hurt in training camp. So he's definitely uh, 100% or as close to as possible uh, right now. He's going to step in at that dimebacker spot or the strong side linebacker spot. Um, I, I think that's, uh, you know, uh, some of the stability amongst an area fans are, are maybe a little bit concerned about. That's saying nothing about kicker and the GM saying, hey, we're, we're open to maybe bringing in a veteran kicker at some point, but it's our old friend Ali Mortada and Mr. Legs, Mark Leggio, uh, who will battle uh, for that spot. Uh, you know, Very contentious uh, position uh, for Bombers fans to talk about right now with Sergio Castillo leaving in free oh, agency. Mortada's turning into himself. Medlock now that the hash marks <laughs> right. have been moved in. We all know. Listen, he's he a lock for 95% right now going forward. Yeah. And of course, we've got the Aussie punter, Tom Hackett, in there. I'll be looking forward to seeing what he can do as well and whether he cracks the roster and sticks it around says sounds like a pretty interesting individual um darren the bombers were supposed to play on monday i still couldn't wrap my head around the fact that there was a preseason game scheduled that early obviously with everything that's happened unrealistic to uh, have that game played when it was scheduled they won't miss the game though they posted it back and this actually might be a good thing for the Bombers training camp and preparing for that opening game of the season. Fill us in on how the preseason has changed and what that means for Bombers training camp. Yeah, so I'll just peek over my calendar. They were scheduled to play uh, at home against Edmonton on May 23rd. That's this coming Monday. That will be scrapped. So much more lead time for training camp to get this team prepared for that first preseason game. Um, or Sorry. The game on the 23rd is now going to be on uh, May 31st. That's a Tuesday. So there were four days between games between uh, the 23rd and the 27th. They will still play the 27th. That game, I will correct myself, is on uh, uh, at IG Field here in Winnipeg against Edmonton. And then they'll travel to Regina on May 31st uh, at Mosaic to face the Riders in, in what will be a, surely a fun contest. But then... So still four days between those games. So not much changes for the Blue Bombers. It's probably advantageous for them uh, as well. Um, but now the Bombers have less of a huge layoff between the end of the preseason and week one. Paul Apolis and the Ottawa Red Blacks coming to IG Field uh, for the week one season opener for the defending Grey Cup champs. And well, maybe a new banner raising. They're going to have to make a new one every year. What do you think? <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Good problems to have. Yeah. So, yes, your first chance to get her to IG Field, the Princess Auto tailgate zone before the game and everything happening at the Bomber game will be preseason action a week from tomorrow on the 27th. And that game that was supposed to be taking place in Regina on Monday now moved to Tuesday the 31st. And then there'll be uh, 10 days until the season kicks off when the Bombers take on Paul Apolis and the Ottawa Red Blacks, the team that we did not see last season yeah. in the Canadian Football League. Well, DB, we're going to be looking forward to your content at Bonfire Sports through a training camp in the season. Let's talk about game day and some exciting additions to the Bonfire lineup this year for Blue Bomber fans that can't get enough of their team. Yeah, we're loading up on Bonfire Sports for 2022 and always appreciate your support, Huss. Uh, 
Chris Walby is back. We're going to do a live pregame show the day before the game. So if you can't catch us live and interact in the chat and, and texting and calls, you know, I'll get to that in a second. You can watch it the day of the game or, or during the game even. We had a lot of people watching uh, our pregame coverage, probably second screen to watching the game uh, on TSN. Uh, I'm going to do a postgame show this year, myself and guests live after every Blue Bombers game. Um, for some people out there in Bomberland, uh, they might be familiar with Zach Schnitzer. He's a young, uh, a young man who uh, has a, the, a podcast or had a podcast called Let's Go Bombers Podcast. He's going to join me for a new show, Bonfire Midweek. We're going to do it Tuesday nights all season long uh, on bonfiresports.ca. We're going to stream to YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can find all that on bonfiresports.ca. And then I'm really excited. This is the thing I'm, I'm most pumped about, Hustler. It's the Bonfire Hotline. Okay, so this is an opportunity for fans out there to air their grievances, ask questions, give us their hot take. You can leave a voicemail and I might play it on air if it's good. Mm -hmm. Let me know who you are and, 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 uh, you know, the rest or you can text. So that number uh, is on bonfiresports.ca. It'll be all over social media. But uh, for the old Crime Stoppers uh, commercials back in the day, if you remember uh, the old uh, tips phone number, well, the Bonfire Hotline 204 816 tips, 816 8477. Crime Stoppers uh, was 786 tips, right? That's right. Oh, that eight, might still be in effect. I don't it, think they went away with that. So listen, don't call Crime Stoppers. Call. <laughs> there may have been some crimes of humanity on the football field. Take yeah. those complaints and takes to Darren and Bonfire Sports. And yeah, listen, I mean, I'm hoping. You know, win or lose, you're going to get some great submissions on that. Uh, And then you're going to need to have a compilation of the best of that you can put together. That that could be the most popular segment of the entire week amongst all the content that you guys are putting out. Call or text during the game. If you don't like something that's happening on the field or you're impressed with something or you got a hot take, fire away 816 tips uh, in the bonfire hotline. It's going to be fun. Maximum three calls a day, though, Gregory. You can't be firing (laughs) off. A dozen, yeah, a dozen at once. To everyone <laughs> else that'll be on don't it. Do that to me. Um, again, of course, the Bonfire YouTube channel is Bonfire Sports, and we'll get going. I imagine you'll probably get into uh, some action for the uh, the preseason. I mean, starting next week, and of course, plenty yeah. coming up from training camp as well. Yeah, I'm going to be doing live streams often during the week, so uh, be sure to you know uh, hit the subscribe button and ring the bell. You'll be notified uh, when I go live. But yeah, Twitter and Facebook as well, so uh, check those areas out, and we got you covered. You know how it works, folks, and where to find them. And of course, we'll have Darren on the reg giving us uh, the latest on the Bombers as well throughout the season. Uh, well, it's time to get down to business. Get out to the park, enjoy, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Let's hit the field. Good talking to you, Huss. All right, great stuff with DB. Looking forward to uh, chopping up Bomber and CFL talk with him all summer long here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And again, make sure you check out the Bonfire Sports channel over on YouTube. All right. Uh, Hey, Remo, I don't know about you. I'm feeling wings right now. I may not be able to wait until 6 o'clock. I might head over and post up, watch the end of the golf at Boston Pizza, and then get ready for this Florida-Tampa game tonight. Um, Always a great spot to watch sports with the gang your local Boston pizza, ice cold schooners, famous Boston's wings, gourmet pizzas, and more. And again, if you're staying home tonight but want the great taste of BP, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. Let's get Remus back in here. Remo, we do need to get to the cool bet lines before we finish the show tonight. Interested in your thoughts on these games? Tampa plus 145 underdog Florida Panthers minus 164. I totally agree with Dennis Bernstein. 
this should be a game seven like performance by the Florida Panthers. And to their credit, they played well with their backs against the wall against uh, Washington early in the series, both in game four and game five. Big comebacks. Easier said than done, though, doing it get, uh, that against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Where are you at on this game tonight? Do the Bolts come back up 2-0 or does Florida even the series? Yeah, I kind of want to lean to say Florida with their backs against the wall are going to come out and play well. You saw it against Washington when they needed to. They won those games. However, the Tampa Bay Lightning, as an underdog, I agree. When Brandon said, I think people are sleeping on the Lightning. They're underdogs, but in the series, they were underdogs in game one. And this is a team that has, and Brandon said, Hall of Famers. I said, how many guys do they have that are the best at their position? They have the best defenseman, best goalie, and two of the best forwards in the league throw in Braden Point, although I'm not actually not sure his status for tonight. So I would still bet Tampa just because I think that's value on, on Tampa. At plus 145, I did pick them in my bracket to win the series. But uh, I, we could see a split, but I would bet Tampa. Just they're the underdog. I don't think they should be. I think I'm rolling with Tampa as well, to be perfectly honest. I had him in game one. I got him in the series. May as well keep rolling with it right now. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me. And I think it would be better if Florida won just because we'd have a better chance of having a series that could go six or seven games uh, because this will be a great one. Blues and Avalanche. Blues road shot two to one in game number one. They did hang on, tied the game late, lost in overtime. Uh, but Colorado certainly looks like the real deal. Even, you know, as mentioned, without Landis Gog and a couple guys nursing a few injuries. Minus 233 at home for the Abs. Plus 205 for the Blues. Can the Blues have a big bounce back tonight after uh, really being manhandled despite taking it to the extra frame in game one? No. Colorado, they're <laughs> too good, too talented. You know, they have top, you know, we talk about what you need to win. They got a top center. They got a top, you know, winger, top D. The goaltending may be questionable, but you can't deny the depth of their defense on Ford. I mean, they steamrolled. St. Louis, that overtime was tough to watch. There's just a barrage of shots on goal, and it was the floater from Josh Manson in the huh. back of the net. I don't think you can bet on Colorado at minus 233. Maybe you want to look at some props there. Plus 104 to win by two. I don't mind it. I think minus 145 in regulation, yeah, which, that's is, not bad. Uh, which is an interesting okay. one. I mean, I, I think you can kind of stomach that number as well, especially if you're going to yeah. maybe be parlaying it with one of those other two games. Uh, the games, uh, the lines for tomorrow night are up right now. Rangers plus 142 underdogs. I might lean Rangers. I really liked their game last night. I think it just maybe score a couple more. Shesterkin certainly looked like a completely different goalie than the guy that got chased a couple times in the Pittsburgh series. Canes minus 169. And tomorrow, Calgary, once again, a big favorite. Minus 182 tomorrow. And the Oilers plus 153. A quick look at the Major League Baseball schedule today. Four afternoon games going on right now. And the Blue Jays taking on the Cincinnati Reds tonight. Blue Jays a big minus 189 favorite. What about Jays minus two? She's still waiting on the additional lines. Check Cool Bet throughout the afternoon for a little bit more on that. Of course, if you haven't played a Cool Bet before, use the promo code WST you will get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your initial deposit. And I am taking a look right now. They do have live odds for the PGA Championship, and it's updated basically by the minute. 
Rory McIlroy is the clubhouse leader right now, is plus 325. Scotty Scheffler, 9 to 1. Willie Z, 10 to 1. Cam Smith, 12. Justin Thomas, 12. John Rahm, 14, along with Xander Shoffley. Everybody else, 30 to 1 or more. We'll have more on the PGA Championship tomorrow. We'll have more on the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Ice and the Oil Kings, Blue Bomber training camp, and so much more. Uh, also, the Preakness, Kirk Contois will pop by. And we'll also have another award-winning edition of the Marble Race. We'll hit the buffet with Ken Weeb tomorrow. And Dave Naylor from TSN will break down all the ins and outs of the new CFLPA deal. And we'll look ahead to the season now that the deal is done. Big thanks to a busy, busy uh, group of guests today on the program. Dennis Bernstein, Craig Button, Darren Bombing, and Brandon Rewicki. Of course, thanks to Michael Remus. And again, folks, if you're with us and you haven't already pressed that red subscribe button, free helps us grow the channel and you'll be joining us on a daily basis 1 p.m live on youtube and in your podcast feed right around 3 30 p.m uh enjoy the golf this afternoon if you're with us live the hockey games tonight and we'll hit it all tomorrow heading into the long weekend and of course game two of the battle of alberta game one between the ice and the oil kings on a busy episode of winnipeg sports talk on friday join us then thanks for being with us and have a great night Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.